At that precise moment, Ben has already found Han Solo's antique but sturdy starship. With eager tread, he hurried toward it, sure he has freed it from the powerful tractor beam that held it. And then... You! I have been waiting, Obi-Wan Kenobi. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but a learner. Now I am the master. Zip! You still have much to learn! His lightsaber activated, Ben Kenobi moves with elegant ease into a classical offensive position as the fearsome Dark Knight, weapon in hand, takes a defensive stance. For a moment, the two galactic warriors stand perfectly still, sizing each other up. Then, Your powers are weak, old man. You should never have come back. Shrek! You only know half the force, Vader. You perceive its full power as little as a spoon perceives the taste of food. Visit. Yet, even as they fight, Ben seems to be under increasing pressure and strain, as if an invisible weight were being placed upon him. He makes a sudden lunge at his foe. Zarp! But it is checked by a lightning movement of the towering armored giant. Then, his sword locked with Vader's, Ben begins backing into the massive starship hangar. Their lightsabers locked in midair, the two powerful warriors stand motionless like titans out of some lost time. Welcome to Arc Troopers Unite. We're the podcast that reads Star Wars comics arc by arc. I'm your host, Xavier, and as always, I'm joined by my brothers. I'm Zachary. I'm Gabe. Great to have you, brothers. Great to have you, brother. Um, for this, our first episode, where else to start but the beginning of Star Wars? That is to say, Star Wars, the 1977 hit film. You guys heard of it? Uh, I big, kinda, big fan. I think it's probably the Star Wars I've watched the most. Star Really? A New Hope, yeah. I, I oh, definitely I watched idea. The Phantom Menace the most, and that's because we had it on VHS when I was <laughs> uh, in fourth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things that we, as the parents would be like, let's start watching Star Wars. And then we'd like watch the first one, and then we'd, it would be like, well, that's yeah, the night. That makes perfect sense. they would go to bed, and then. Oh, we'd yeah, we'd like. Start. Yeah. So it started watching Star Wars like tons, you know? And so, but I only ever got through the first one. <laughs> I got a question. What are your memories? What are your first memories of. Star Wars, you know, Star Wars. Because for me, it was seeing it in theaters. It must have been 1997 because that's when the special edition was released. So I would have been a little baby, a toddler. And I do remember very clearly one thing, which was being unable to look at the screen in fear of the Dianoga. Oh, that's terrifying. I remember looking, peering over the back of the the seats in front of me. I don't I think feel I, like I don't have any. I mean, obviously, I was a ripe old age of negative two at that time. So, uh, so a little, little, little behind you, and Gabe will be a little behind that even. But I've never had any like things with like the childhood fears from Star Wars stuff because I feel like I watched Star Wars before my memory started. So, like, that's, yeah, that's exactly. So, yeah. I just by the time I was a conscious being in any sense, I, I had already seen thoughts. the movie, so I already knew what happened yeah. in all of all three of them. Yeah. I mean, for for me, it's like I actually think that my first memories of Star Wars probably are more like from uh, Star Wars minifigs and Star Wars comics. 
Just Definitely. Because, I had a set of micro like, machines from the nineties. Yeah. And yeah. those oh, totally yeah. dominated my attention span, even though I didn't necessarily know what they were, you know? I just yeah. knew they were Star Wars. Yeah, so I, I feel like I was I was familiar just with just Star Wars just due to having so much Star Wars paraphernalia around the house. <laughs> exactly. You know? It's like I knew yeah. all of the things prior to even probably watching movies. Yeah, just like Zach was saying, like it, it, in, in real yeah. memory. Yeah, for sure. And I think definitely I, I remember the first time we got the VHS set and actually watched through them. Oh, I wow. was somewhat surprised with how much I didn't actually know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, on the latest watch through, that's how I felt. I was like, wow, there are, there are some things that I just don't remember. And I guess like, a yeah. little bit of that feeling um, gets dug up when I read through the comic book adaptations. There are little bits and bobs that aren't quite what we're used to or what we remember. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely plenty of them come up through these two arcs. Wonderful. And there are two right. arcs. So we are reviewing not just the original 1977 contemporaneous adaptation of Star Wars A New Hope. We are also reviewing the 1997 adaptation uh, that came out hand in hand with the special edition theatrical release. Yeah, it's 97, yeah. So we talked a little bit about, uh, we introduced Star Wars. Now let's introduce Star Wars comics. What do you guys know about the publication history? I'm probably going to know jack shit about publication history. Oh, yeah. Same here. Absolutely. Anything that you've talked to me about. Yeah. (laughs) I'll run you through it then. So we have, I'd say, three publication eras with Star Wars. We have the initial publication starting around 1977 books, but mostly comics that helped flesh out the expanded universe. And there were some role-playing game supplements published in the 80s that helped flesh this out. Even as commercial interest in Star Wars is waning. So the first period for comics is going to be when Marvel Comics had the license for Star Wars, and that's going to be the first series we look at, the first six issues of Marvel's Star Wars run, uh, starting in 1977. The second period is going to begin uh, in 1991 when Dark Horse Comics acquires the license for Star Wars, and this is when Uh, The Legends Expanded Universe really, really takes off as a sort of alternative force for uh, Star Wars fandom. And then finally, once Disney acquires Lucasfilm, the comics rights go back to Marvel, uh, which of course is a subsidiary of Disney at that point. Marvel has uh, about 12 years with the property. Dark Horse has about 24 years with the property, and now we're about nine years in to Marvel's return. That's wild that it's been that long now. Mm-hmm. Oh, the time flies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember being in, uh, I think it was like fourth or fifth grade or something like that, and everybody was talking about how, oh my gosh, Disney's going to buy Star Wars. We're going to get new Star Wars movies. It was yeah. massive. Everybody was, everybody was talking about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So exciting. Well, let's keep that excitement going. So let's take a step back and talk real quick about what the format of this podcast is going to be. Each episode, we're going to be looking at two arcs of Star Wars comics. Maybe we'll throw in some loose materials, one-shots, or miniseries here or there. We're also going to have a YouTube version of this audio podcast that is going to include some of the tidbits of our favorite pages that we read for that episode. 
what we're going to start off with is a program where we're going to bounce around between the different Star Wars comics publishing eras. So we're going to start off with Old Marvel for the first episode, we're going to move to a Dark Horse uh, series, and then we're going to move on to a modern Marvel series, and we'll keep alternating those three reading series. All right. You guys ready to jump in to Star Wars 1 through 6? Let's do yes. it. All right. So trivia here, technically, this comic book adaptation is the second version of the Star Wars story to be published. Um, the third one is the film. Yeah. <laughs> so this is little known. The novel actually novel comes out in 1976. Huh. Okay. So that, that explains why it's like so seminal in establishing what the story is since it existed before. I mean, uh, a lot of people talk about, I mean, especially people who were like into Star Wars when it came out, like some, they, they talk a lot about the novelization. I've, of course not read it, but it seems like it does a lot. And so a lot of people went into the movie having an understanding of more of the context and some of the things that are like a little bit dropped in the movie or kind of left to like your imagination of like why a thing has gotten there. Exactly. And that's, I think that also establishes, establishes that also establishes the precedent that adaptations of Star Wars films are going to include mm-hmm. extra tidbits of lore. Yeah that you would miss sorry that that didn't reach the movie you know that that, that, that reached the yeah. floor are we just gonna think about uh covers here yeah let's go ahead and leap right into the covers oh uh i wanted to cover real quick um oh, yeah. you know if you're going to be reading along with us um this this is this arc is in publication over and over and over again um it's a mainstay so you can get it um I think the most recent versions are going to be um, from Marvel. You can get the original Marvel years. This would be in volume one of the Epic collection and also volume one of the omnibus version. Um, There's also a trade paperback version of a new hope, which is a recolored version. So there's actually three different versions of this original uh, of this original six issue series because it got recolored when Dark Horse re-released it in the 90s. Um, and it also yeah. received another recolor in 2015 uh, when it was released as a trade paperback by Marvel. So the, that would be the trade paperback you could get. Um, alternatively, it's available um, as digital issues, uh, for example, on Marvel Unlimited. It's just Star Wars 1 through 6. Right, yeah. So let's go ahead and take a look through these covers. Now, starting with number one, yeah. yeah, obviously, I feel like one of those big things is, as Zach, Zach was pointing out before, green Darth Vader. Green Darth Vader. <laughs> green and kind of a, an octopus eye. Does oh. I feel like it's like 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 the, the fire. I think it's the, yeah, I think it's like an explosion. Oh, it's kind of like uh, octopi eyes because they got weird cloudy pupils. Oh, I mean, like the color choices, I think, are exciting because, I mean, Luke is uh, wearing like white accent with some light blue and he's got blonde hair there. So there's other colors available, but it's still in like a traditional printing style here. And that's why we choose to uh, make something black on a black background by giving an accent color of something else that's not used anywhere else in the uh, in that shot. So the green gives you black with shading and the shading is green. And, you know, that green 
or it's implied that green is not literally green because there's no other green there on something black, which is maybe it even implies that it's shiny, kind of like a, a like a tiger beetle. Or like mm, a, a yeah, housefly, yeah. you know that that um, yeah, kind of metallic feel. But also, we kind of talked about some of these things not being fully established by the time this comic was printed, right? Yeah, exactly. So the comic comes out. The first issue definitely comes out before the film's out. Um, the creators of the comic are working off of concept art mostly. Well, and regarding that, actually, I wanted to bring this up. The X wings. Oh yeah. Funnily enough, are uh, definitely T seventies. Oh, yeah, they have that early Ralph McQuarrie concept yeah. art design where the engines split. split. Rather than yeah. having four separate circular engines, there's two splitting rectangular engines. Yeah, I thought it was pretty neat. I was like, oh, that's neat. I That was a cool thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, of course, this issue one cover is iconic and gets recreated over and over and over again um, for sure, various yeah. special edition comic covers and stuff. Um, I've always hated it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think it's kind I, of a clunky looking. It's clunky. Yeah. It's cluttered. I feel like the framing is good. I do like the greenness of the Darth Vader is just kind of interesting. I like the fire in his eyes, but he he really he feels kind of hokey the way he's kind of hanging over everything. I think <laughs> I don't I like how I like how Han, Leia, and Obi Wan are just kind of crammed in back of Luke. And... Yeah, yeah. If they give him a little more space, I think it would really yeah suit my fancy. But everything that's important is present, so I appreciate something, that. Something that I think is kind of interesting is that right in the top left we have the like the one, and then below that we have like this He-Man looking Luke. Oh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Of this like planet or whatever, and the planet's green here. But uh, as we look at the other, um, oh, you're uh, talking about on the top left, yes. Yeah, in the yeah. top left, yeah. That planet will change colors every issue. Oh, really? Oh, that's so yeah. fun. Oh yeah. Uh, it kind of changes with the palette of each. Uh, issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the first one's very like black, red, and green. Yeah, we're yeah, talking about the little thumbnails on the upper left-hand cover of each issue, and of course, this is an artifact of the time when comics were sold on racks um, at newsstands. They were sold at grocery stores. They were sold at convenience stores. Oh. You would not be buying this from a specialty comic store, um, or even necessarily from a bookstore. You'd be buying it from most. You know, they would call it newsstand distribution. So it's on a rack where like the first five inches show. You're only seeing the top quarter of the cover. So having a little bit of art there on the thumbnail gives you something to suck you in. Yeah, Star Wars and Luke standing up there with his laser sword in front of the planet. And notably, all the laser swords, I don't know if through all the issues, but definitely through the first couple, everything is red. All red. Well, that's the color of a laser, right? I don't think they'd even like invented... uh, uh, green lasers for uh, for consumer use at that point, you know. <laughs> I, let's see. By uh, the third, the third one or fourth, I guess. Uh, we have a white laser sword with yeah uh, on Obi Wan Kenobi, and yeah. uh, green lasers coming from the Death Star in issue five. Right. Issue six were all red though with uh, Luke and the Darth. Uh, but an important point here: all of the covers are extremely faithful to the source material. Correct? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're talking about two, huh? Uh, yeah, I love two. <laughs> I, I, so I think it's actually my favorite cover, despite it being just fucking crazy. Uh, Zach, you want to handle this? Luke Skywalker strikes back. Swing that lightsaber, Ben, or we're finished. <laughs> Uh, you can be the He's... alien having his uh, being disemboweled. Oh. <laughs> 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 
It's like the Doom Chapel. Okay, okay. No, no, this, this is great because the cover is Luke and Ben Kenobi striking down like six guys simultaneously in the most intense barroom brawl ever. And then you open it up and the first page is Luke sprawled out on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Just unconscious. Uh, Knocked out by the sand, people. And then on the third issue, this one doesn't stand out to me a lot, but I guess it's the... Um, the the main trio plus Chewbacca fighting their way through the Death Star with Stormtrooper in the foreground getting bowled yeah. over. It's a very dynamic cover. Yeah, like it that. is. I like the kind of pale greens in the background. I think it's neat. I just don't think it... Everything feels a bit, like, cramped. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's because the intention. The confines of the, of the Falcon. I feel like some more color would do it good because all the background is just washed in green and the yeah. lasers are all red and chewy. He's just these first three covers are credited to Howard Chaikin, who is um, the main penciler for the whole series. The second uh-huh. issue is also credited to Tom Palmer. Um, once we get it to issue four, uh, this is actually my favorite cover. It's a fun cover. I like the Andros hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Darth Vader in the background, very sinister, pulling the strings almost with his hands and the uh, pale magenta highlight color uh, really really takes it up to the next level at last the battle with darth vader to the death that's accurate actually <laughs> yeah you i stand though i may die yeah that was not in there like uh i love the verbiage all throughout this run they use so many great words and so many great phrases and i think it adds uh, a lot more weight to so many of these situations altercations they find themselves in because like they don't say this in the comics body but it conveys a lot more of that uh intensity of them actually fighting for their lives that i feel like the movie actually doesn't really quite catch yeah right I guess, yeah um so the f- it covers for four five and six are were done by rick hoberg okay with additional work in five and six by dave cochran so we have credit where it is due um issue five really cracks me up because it has uh, the Death Star just kind of like hovering a couple hundred feet off the ground. Yeah. Yavin 4 and just shooting little oh, laser beams all over the place. Laser beams, it's yeah. too late, kid. We're finished. <laughs> Skywalker strikes again is really funny to yes. me. He just keeps striking. Just like uh, just like Shaw, he just keeps counterattacking. Luke Skywalker no Gakushi. Luke Skywalker spent a lot of time striking before we retconned and decided that good guys don't strike, actually. Yeah. They don't get revenge. They strike a little less often. Yeah. Well, I heard that striking from a hidden base, the rebel ships scored their first victory, so... That is that is how we start, yeah. And then finally, issue six is cover uh, with an epic dogfight in space in the background. Uh, Vader and Luke with red laser swords in the foreground. I like them them fighting battling uh, over yeah. apparently Leia <laughs> on a cra- like on a crag. Yeah, see Luke Skywalker battle Darth Vader. Something that I I will say doesn't I don't really feel that happens. <laughs> I think well, well this is this the six. I mean he dog you could dog like, fight. I think you can kind of be like yes. Darth Vader at one point was behind him and going to shoot him. I don't I don't know if I consider that a battle. Between I also them, it just I seemed mean, like Darth Vader was going to kill him. 
<laughs> I also wouldn't phrase it myself as wasn't fighting a, back here as them battling. Uh, I mean, like on on a larger scale, they are. It's our, our great hero and our villain facing off against each other in this war. It's not like Luke is in charge of anything. He's yeah, just doing yeah, what he's told. Yeah. But, I but, think yeah. we can accurately call it a soul a soul shattering climax, though. Soul shattering climax. Yes, I I love that. Of the year's best movie. Actually, I think I might like the inside covers on all of these comics better because uh, with uh, you mean the first pa- first pages. Yeah, I think the technical term, the, the industry term, would be splash page. Oh, that'd be a good term for it. I like that. Uh, and also, this last one uh, brings to mention we talked about the the designs being a little bit different early on before we decided what they were going to be forever. Oh, for sure. Um, be- and uh, that that splash from uh, the sixth. The final chapter is this the final chapter? Yes. Uh, it may or may the not Death be. Star, uh, I like that. By the time that we get to the end of this arc, the it hasn't been established that the Death Star will always have the laser on top yet, because that's visual language. Uh, it was not there originally, right? Like it, it's always on top. I think in the movie, no, the, 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 the movie, dome that the, the turbo laser actually fires from. At least in the plans, it's on the bottom. Oh yes, yes, it is. It is when they they're, when they're looking at the technical readout from R two. But I don't think the Death Star ever sits in a shot itself uh, with the laser right. on the bottom half. And it does right. a lot in early material. I've always noticed this, but coming back to it here, and uh, <laughs> I actually I read the second series that we're going to talk about later on first, and then I came to the original uh, comic, and I go, oh, that's interesting because the the special edition one has it always pointing up, and most of the time it's pointing down in the original comic. Yeah. There's one more thing I want to point out, though. Maybe you noticed it. What is weird about the Star Wars logo on every cover? What is weird? I don't know. What's the weirdest part? It, it all it seems like the standard Star Wars, right? The top of the W is pointy. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Oh. And something I really appreciate about this. So apparently, um, I believe... Yeah. It was one of the editors of Marvel. It was either Stan Lee or Jim Shooter had letterer Jim Novak, who's the letterer for this first issue, had him Uh sort of take the logo that Lucasfilm gave them and be like, make this Marvel-ish. Okay. Yeah. Um, So they ended up with the pointy W, and the pointy W stays for the entire run of the Marvel Star Wars, um, even after... All of the films have been out for years yeah, <laughs> of the original trilogy. Something that I find interesting too, now that you pointed this out, is that in the first two issues, um, none of the none of the letters are connected. But once you get to three, the S and the T become connected, and the R oh, and the S become connected. That's correct. Yeah, I, I just ran into a uh, a panel that made me think about this. As far as designs that uh, weren't solidified yet, C three PO really stood out to me through these because I think he's like a different face in almost every single panel for the first like three yeah. of these comics. Mm. I kept looking at him like, well, that's this is a weird looking C three PO, and then I'd get to the next panel, I'd go, that's not the same three C three PO. It's not the one I'm <laughs> used to either. Right, and I actually noticed this issue in the. In the '90s, Dark Horse one as well, so it could just be the C-3PO's not fun, not easy to draw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I am thinking about that as I'm looking at them. Oh yeah, different. Like yeah. Uh, him being in the foreground or the background, him being all gold, probably just, just... Rig- also like a very rigid face. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's got a weird shape because it's it's round and also has straight edges, so the shading is difficult. 
Yeah. And again, all monochromatic and metallic. Well, do we want to get into one? Yes, please. Let's go ahead and jump into the interiors. We've already sort of flirted with that. Um, the main credits for these issues um, generally go to Howard Chaikin. I'm sorry, the, 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 the writer would be Roy Thomas, who adapted the script that they were given from Lucasfilm, along with uh, pencils from Howard Chaikin. Um, a lot of the ink work through the rest of the series gets done by Steve Lealoha. Generally, what ends up happening by the end of the series is that all the, the artists who are around the Marvel office in New York, what they call the bullpen, um, just kind of get roped into this series off and on. So the full the full list of credits on inks uh, on pencils it's it's Howard Shaken on inks the first issue is also Howard Shaken but uh, Steve Lealoha does most of the work for the rest of the series uh, with issue six being done by Rick Hoberg and Bill Ray for colors Marie Severine does the first issue um, I think we're going to be talking about her more later when we talk about how colors are done in comics because she's really influential in that regard um, but Steve Lealoha does colors on two and three. Uh, Carl Gafford um, on issue four, Glynis Oliver, um, who was named Glynis Wine at the time, Patty Cockrum on issue six, who was also was married to Dave Cockrum, who worked on the covers for that issue. Lettering was done by Jim Novak, like I said, on the first issue. Most of the rest of the lettering through the series is done by Tom Orsakowski, Orsakowski. <laughs> and uh, But for the final issue, a lettering was done by Carol Lay and Michael Royer. So basically, this is like an all-hands-on-deck situation. Gotcha. especially as excitement for the Star Wars project kind of uh, boiled up for everybody in that environment. Awesome. Editor's note. Xavier neglected to mention the artists who worked on the reissued versions of Star Wars 1 through 6. So in 1994, Dark Horse released classic Star Wars A New Hope in two issues, colored by Pamela Rambo. And in 2015, Marvel released the Star Wars A New Hope trade paperback, with colors attributed to Chris Sotomayor's company, Sotocolor, although some sources claim the work was done by Sotocolor employee Andrew Crossley. In addition to the new colors, the new Marvel version also features a variety of redesigned environmental elements, including computer readouts, explosions, and stellar objects. Back to the show. Let's, at this point, uh, let's go wild on just talking about whatever you guys thought was interesting inside this issue, or any of these issues. Well, I mean, we, uh, oh, damn. What did you call the, that first, the, the inside? I keep wanting to say inside splash. Splash, splash. Or splash yeah, okay. Splash page. Splash, splash page. page, there we go. Um, This splash page is, I don't know. I kind of find it, eh. I'm not, I'm not too into it, though I do like the, the Star Destroyer. It looks a little weird. I don't know if it's maybe yeah. like implied shadow, or it just looks funky because they weren't, it's a wedge. It has tiered decks leading yeah. up to the bridge. Yeah, it has greebling. But yeah, so all of those design elements are present. Yeah. But none of them are particularly um the bits that later become shield generators, the big bulbs on top are yes. fully not there. We don't have the big wide bridge. And so yeah, basically just a, there's just a lack of specificity. Top. Like the general Design brief yeah. is there, but there isn't yeah. any of the specificity, and they definitely have not seen the film at this point. It is not out yet. Yeah. Yes, that's pretty um, reasonable. I feel right off the bat, the thing that struck me the most um, is the suddenness of the action. Because, and, and this was something I've been thinking about the whole time reading these comics, is that something I really like about 
Star Wars is that it's a very tense film. It almost has like horror movie pacing, actually, because there's so much unknown stuff and monsters popping out of nowhere and characters being taken by surprise. And even the action scenes, it's not a lot of like, you know, people kicking butt and shooting guns and doing combat rules and everything. It's everyone like in the movie, right? You starts with everyone huddling in hallways waiting for it to blast open and like the action is done immediately and everyone's just dead. But we spend a lot of time there waiting for Darth Vader to make his appearance in that first scene. In this, it's blam pow in like four panels. And then we cut to Luke and the battle is already done. And there's no there's none of the tension of them waiting. And obviously, that's, again, going to be a result of the timeline of production. But it's really interesting that the tension is something that the comics have a hard time matching, I think. That makes sense. Or I don't Gabe, know if they're intended. I think also mentioned to me while he was reading this that he was really struck by the color choice um, immediately. It's, it's very colorful. Yeah. As opposed to that like, um, stark white interior of uh, the... Uh, yeah. yeah, of the Tantive IV as it appears in the, the film. We have reds for the backgrounds. We have blues for the foregrounds. Um, we have sort of yellows oh, yeah. for explosions in the midgrounds. And everything is all primary colors i do really love in this this very first panel with uh the stormtrooper shooting the the rebel to the to the right and then just in between them is is c3po and r2d2 i agree with them this is madness r2 yeah so they, they're kind of trying to speed run through all the information that the movie ends up throwing at us over the course of a while in the beginning it's just uh there's an attack happening the tantafor is running away uh, Darth Vader's here, blam, blam. These two are ending up in a weird part. They have to run away from the explosions. Yeah. I mean, C-3PO yeah. even gets hit by the explosion <laughs> in this, which right. I think he's, 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 he's had a hard time getting back up from. Thrown off of his la- uh, thrown off of his feet. Yeah. And yeah. then right off the bat, we get, uh, this is the the closest thing that we have to. And if I, again, I think this is a, something that surely was in concept art. Luke looking out at the the setting sun. Uh, dude, this was this, filmed. I'm gonna say it's in the film. Yeah, it's in the. It's on the. It's they it's filmed all this in Tunisia. Floor. Yeah. So it's the whole the, big scenes. plot, the whole um, uh, it's not Tashi Station in this, is it? It's it's whatever. Um, the whole plot with uh, Luke's friends on Tatooine that was all filmed, but it got cut in yeah. edits before they released the film. So that was all in the i the novelization it's in the comic adaptation and it was in the original um i think we might be speaking on different things i mean the very iconic uh scene where he looks out at this two setting suns oh yeah space 30 no yeah in this this, he's looking at the explosion in this oh yeah he's looking at this explosion yes that is true but i feel like that's the closest thing that we get to that that. it doesn't make its own appearance of him gazing out and us getting the you're right, it does just skip that. Yeah. Um, You're which right. makes sense. It doesn't have like plot relevance. It's just a beautiful moment that's very iconic. So we get a little like a little peek at that. Well, like it, like it wouldn't show up much in the plot, in, in the script, because it's, it, it's oh, just no words. Actually, yeah, yeah. My, my real expectation, though, is that uh, this thing with him looking out at the sunset might be inspired by early concept art for that shot. Because I bet him you that looking at the battle was something... Hmm. Uh, yeah yeah so so i bet you a shot of luke looking out into the the night sky or something looking out yeah. off across the desert was probably really early concept art because it's a really yeah striking image that i feel like 
would likely inspire a lot of design from that point. I agree sure that this sure that this panel so it could be inspired um, on the second page of issue one with Luke looking out at the battle using his macro binoculars, but he's sort of in the background, um, facing away from us as a sort of small figure. That does have a very uh, Ralph McQuarrie concept art painting yeah. vibe to it. Yeah. yeah. So it might be of the same lineage of that shot, not necessarily inspired by or inspired, uh, but that's a really interesting thought. Yeah. But maybe similar. I like how he him jumping into his speeder. Yeah, nice, nice pose. I love it. <laughs> I think it's messed up that they straight up don't believe him. What <laughs> 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 he just saw. Um, oh, and I love Leia. Uh, there's one of them. Set weapons for stun. I've set mine to mine kill, and she kills a guy. <laughs> I mean, that is what happens in the film. She does kill them, but she doesn't say anything to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a delight. Um, I was actually going to say here earlier, I don't think Darth Vader says this in the movie, but when he's fucking uh, strangling and he's and he's telling the, the stormtroopers what to do right after he kills the captain, he says, vaporize the Dantivy 4. Tell, <laughs> oh, yes. And he says, tell Balin the Senate all aboard are dead due to a meteorite storm. Yes. yes meteorite storm. And I'm like, this is, it's, I don't remember this being in the movie at all. No. Slightly. That's like that's interesting. Well, uh, doesn't doesn't in the movie doesn't he say tell the Senate there's no survivors? Uh, he might say that. I, I think yeah. he says that. This this gives more of an explanation. But in, yes. in the in the movie, he just goes uh, just lie to them that everyone was killed. I, yes, exactly. But yeah. This is staging an accident in yeah. this version. The other one, it just seems like I don't know. Tell tell uh, tell the diplomats that we killed everyone here. I, I don't care about the fallout from that, which is crazy but pretty yeah. on brand for him yes. right because he doesn't care what they think they're dissolving it like tomorrow anyways like by the time they get to the council room where he you know chokes the guy to the, then, yeah, the conference um, room scene yeah yeah then the conference room scene that's when they talk about yeah we dissolved the galactic senate anyway so yeah. who cares yeah. yeah it doesn't matter anymore yeah i mean that that's probably more like george lucas setting exposition that just got dumped yeah it just didn't need during to. editing uh, we didn't need more of it yeah 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 um, so then we get to the Biggs. Yeah, Biggs has a big role in this version. I like his mustache. I love Biggs' design. I always have. And it makes me so sad that he was a bigger part of the movie. And now I have to live with that because he dies anyway. It, it always makes me very sad. Yeah, because of course Biggs, in every version of the film that was theatrically released or released on a home video, uh, Biggs is... He shows up as a fighter pilot that Luke knows um, at the end of the film. And then, of course, yeah, um, tragically dies defending Luke on the trench run. Yeah. Pull one out. It's so it is. And it is. I would like to say it is incredibly rude that every single game or anything that depicts Biggs gives him a special ability to just die oh, really? to save others. That's heroic. I think it's rude. Give three That's examples. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Uh, oh, the fantasy flight oh, uh, miniatures games. Oh. <laughs> that totally tracks. <laughs> they both Biggs, whose ability is like, yeah, I'll just <laughs> die for you. Get down, Mr. President. That's <laughs> like, what? Get down, Mr. Starwalker or Star Killer. <laughs> and he has a cape, which normalizes the fact that people just wear capes in Star Wars sometimes, and that's why. He, has. he yes. looks so good. He's got a great fit. Oh, for sure. He's an exciting fellow. 
he seems pretty full of himself here at this. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't like him on his introduction here. I went, well, this guy's kind of, kind of an ass to Luke. That's rude. Uh, later, later we decide that these two are actually really close though. So I guess all is forgiven. <laughs> yeah. He does like something kind of funny, doesn't he? Like he does confide in Luke right He's after He's big that, senpai. So like, He's like, notice me, big senpai. Yeah. Well, I think That's the other people on. are very rude to. Oh yeah. To, Luke um, isn't respected at all in the anchorhead community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Did I hear a young noise blast through here or something? What, the, what, what does that even mean? I, I want to say that Fixer definitely <laughs> reminds me of people I've known, like from our small ass hometown, who just never left our small ass hometown but uh, think they're big fish. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I like, I know the type. Yeah, it's like uh, like, like people who feel like they can really talk on everything by merit of I'm I'm old. Mm, yeah. Yeah, like um, hanging out with younger like, people to make yourself like more inflated in importance. Yeah, first mate, Biggs Darklighter. What a good name, Biggs Darklighter. Love him on the Rand Ecliptic. Keep that in your little noggin for. Rand I'm going to say about oh, yeah. fifty episodes down the line. <laughs> oh, okay, that Ooh. makes sense. Biggs that's, lore. That's, that's Biggs lore. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, and I think it's extra exciting that Biggs isn't just on the. I've joined the Alliance. He goes, I'm going to, I just got a position, this big job on a ship and I'm immediately going to jump ship because I have a suspicion that I can find the rebels. Once like I, I know a guy it. who knows a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. Claims to be yeah, a rebel. So he's, so he, yeah. And he's, I feel like that does a lot more that, um, for making it believable. Like, it's not just, I'm going to go join the Rebel Alliance, as it's phrased a lot in Star Wars media. Yeah. His is, I would like to usurp the government. And I, think i might be able to find people who are on the same mission yeah it's like we're doing a revolution um it's dangerous but i think i have to do it yeah yeah so i feel like that gives some more weight to what he's doing sorry i just want to like take one moment to look at the look at the top panel um on the page where he visits cammy and fixer at anchorhead because he is just popping right out of that land speeder way before it stops. Yes. I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, and the guy is pulling him. I told you kids to slow down. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. As far as tense scenes that really get skipped over here, think of all the time it takes for C-3PO and R2 to go their separate ways and R2 to walk down that little canyon and C-3PO to wander about at the crest until he finally <laughs> sees the sand crawler in the distance yeah. and waves it over to him. Shoes. We get all that done in one page. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a giant shoe miles away from me? Or maybe it's a tiny shoe just in front of my face. It's so good. I guess it's uh, uh, the disclaimer. There's Jedi Party YouTube uh, series redubbing over all of the movies in an abridged uh, format. We love it, and we will continue to reference it because it's uh, stuck in our brains. Yeah, in short, look up Jedi Party on YouTube and watch it all. Thank you. Yeah, by oral not proper credit. Well, yes. yeah, they're phenomenal. They got because we will be incessantly. Re- they actually, they it. just released a new video last yesterday. No way. And it's it's um it's Oh, was that new, the the Zack Snyder thing? It's a new Hope yeah. by Zack oh, Snyder. No um uh, and it's something. I'll tell you. Get what. back on task. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of wonky mechanical designs, you all notice the sand crawler? It's a little Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it is vastly different than uh... unclear how far or big it is, truly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if it's one big thing far away or a small thing nearby, but oh, if it was exactly small, correct. I don't understand why they're bringing it over there. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love how it has like unlimited numbers of treads parallel to each other. One, two, three, four, maybe five. At least four. 
And it seems like there's fewer on the back half. And I love that it's got a little snarling phase. Yes. Yeah. Nice and mean. The Marvel recolor from 2015 really just kind of like it keeps the same pencil work, but kind of like gets it nice and dark in there, so it's hard to see that. <laughs> oh my um, but basically, this is like this is a direct recreation of a of a Roth McQuarrie piece. That's why yeah. it's like this. So it's just an early iteration of it, but it's very cool to see that. Then we get to back to the bigs, um, and he's like, "Come on, dude, just leave." And Luke's like, "No." Oh, he's rejecting the call. Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes, yes. That is an important part of the hero's journey. They do a little more to justify the fact that he isn't going to go out, though, when he talks to his uncle later. And it's like, this is a record crop, and it's really important for them financially. To, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for him to be there for that harvest season. Although so. a part of me thinks that farmers think every season is going to be the one that finally gets them. Luke does say that's what you said last year. <laughs> that is, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah, I think farmers, I think this is truth that farmers generally are like, oh, this year is going to be the year. Because uh, they have so much of their of their personal capital tied up in this thing they can't move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we really swing through them getting abducted. And I feel yeah. like the conference scene is about... Well, in a soulless imperial conference room. It is a soulless like, imperial conference room. Wait, going back to some text I like. Sorry, finish your thing first, though. I do really love the the, the, the Tarkin, Tarkin in front of Darth Vader panel. Yes. It just looks oh, pretty yeah. great. Yeah, and that's oh, kind of how they sure. walk in, in, the, in the movie, too. Oh, yeah. way earlier on the Tantive V4, this is all your fault, R2. I should have known better than to trust the logic of a half-sized thermos capsulary dehousing a sister. What <laughs> kind of insult is that? He called R2 whatever that is. <laughs> is this like a marvelism, or is this literally was this literally in George Lucas's script? I think it's in the script. Who knows? I think it must be, considering no that... I think he might actually say it, but you just, it's like, just, there's so much going on in those scenes. I don't that, think he says, you know, that's so many words. The regulator or whatever. He definitely <laughs> says, uh, uh, what philosopher you, you, you overweight glob of grease, a mindless philosopher you, yeah. Whatever. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. That one's overweight good. Glob of grease. That's, that's in the movie. So yeah, definitely, I think it is probably a Lucasism. Uncle Owen definitely feels a lot more um, rough around the edge. Like, uh, yes. he, he seems a little mean even in here. Especially when he's telling him that he shouldn't go out and meet Obi-Wan. Yeah. Well, which makes sense, too. He, he definitely doesn't want him getting caught up in this Jedi business. And like then yeah. we establish that he you know he says it because he cares. But this is the section where I realized that we weren't sure what the characters looked like yet. Because Luke's face is yes. kind of the, the, the model. It, it, I would say off model, not an off model. But what's the word for like when you have a key design uh, and it's not consistent? Is it's kind of not and, the right word. I think it's usually for like 3D models as opposed to. Um, oh, it's opposed to animation. Like, I know there's a word for it in yeah. animation. Yeah. Also, it's also pretty obvious on Leia. Leia got crazy cheekbones. Yeah, and kind of his his face is a little chubbier in some uh, panels than others. And C3PO, this is where his faces I really noticed were a little different every single panel. Yeah, that top right panel with oh no oh oh oh, oh also he wouldn't. When R2 is run away, Luke comes in. 3PO, R2, where are you two? This control box will pop you out in the open and it just like magnetizes C3PO out from the closet. Then he was hiding it. He just gets like zorped out. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty funny little addition. I don't think anything's too crazy through the rest of that edition, though. Pretty much about what we're used to, though, right? Uh, actually, there was this thing that doesn't show up in the movies, but uh, it's. Right, he, he's on the land speeder and he's going away, 
and it's like he was being aimed at by a Tusken Raider. And then there's a hand that comes to stop the Tusken Raider. It's setting up Kenobi pre them stopping. And I thought that was interesting because that's not just it's just not part of the movie. Yeah, I, says, are you sure? As the tiny land speeder uh, slides, so okay, in the it's another's hand which grasps the gun before it can be fired. One, this is in the film. One of the Tuscans just kind of like stops the yeah. other Tuscan oh, from shooting. I, okay. I thought it said earlier too. Actually, yeah, I, I thought it was implying Obi Wan, but then we moved on, and it's it's not like explicit anywhere else. So okay. going back to it, I would say just like, no. I think one of the problems also is that the colorist doesn't know that Tuscan's hands are covered. So we get like a pale flesh tone on their hands, which we wouldn't expect. Oh, I guess the one, one other thing that gives my attention is the, it isn't like a ring and they do actually, this is one of those things I appreciate from the comic is explicitly explaining some things that are not clear in the movie because in the movie, the stormtroopers see the skate pod and then one of them holds up a little ring and says droids. And yeah, that doesn't make any sense. You can't even tell like, what, what is it supposed to be? What is it supposed to have fallen off of? Why is that a droid component rather than a skate pod component? Oh, and that's I see what you're saying. Now, having yeah. watched this movie plenty, there's nothing seems to indicate that it was droids in there or that droids rent off with the plans. And that is perfectly communicated to those sand troopers just by. I was under the impression the that it was a midi chlorian injector ring. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they here they say this small piece of metal I found in the sand, droids, and I feel like it does a little more to explain that I like look sir droids <laughs> yeah it seems so like <laughs> half baked I love it I really like uh, I think it's yeah last panel uh, or last page uh, uh, C3 sir look out and then just yow yow <laughs> from <laughs> um, <laughs> as well as they describe them as Gadurfi sticks they sure not, are not Gaffy oh, yeah. sticks Gaffy is sto- short for Gadurfi Gotcha. Okay, so that's, that's the canonically I mean, accurate. I like that they also explain that they're also called Tuscan Raiders as well as Sand People. So it yeah. shows that that piece of lore was in from the very beginning. Uh, that sounds very George Horrible Lucas. inhuman laugh. Also, his dreaded axe blade poised to kill. Yeah, poised to kill. Uh, yeah, you talked about the <laughs> them fighting and then immediately into Luca just on the ground. Is funny as fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and he's he looks so different too. On the cover, he doesn't really look like Mark Hamill. He looks a lot more like how Mark ended up being for the movie in the in the meat of the comic. But on the cover, he he looks like a much older, much more like yeah, wide jawed, rugged man, and as opposed to like basically a boy, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think that for me, the inks immediately improve in terms of how I perceive the art with the second issue. And I think part of that is probably that Steve Lealoha is doing the inks and not necessarily the fact that I'm not even sure whether I prefer his art versus, you know, his inks versus Chaikin's. Just, I think that Chaikin was overwhelmed with the amount of work he had to do in the time and the deadline he had, which is why they put another, I do believe I read that, you know, put an inkist um, alongside him in order to get it, get it done. But just having more people on the project um, able to keep, keep pace helps improve the quality control I, I think. Oh, so yeah. i do feel I like do, there's I, we do see kind of a style change too the shading change. between yeah. the two styles on the inking is very different like mm-hmm. it's a little more photo real feeling as well like you look at that first presentation of obi-wan's face that's what i'm saying yeah. that third panel looks is really good phenomenal but there's some more like irregular he, he uses a single etching for for shading whereas in the earlier comic there's a lot more uh 
amorphous and more organic shapes for shading, right. which are it makes sense that that might slow you down since they're a lot harder to produce like that. Yeah, there's but like some really interesting hatching style. patterns. Like he kind of captures the stucco pattern on the inside of Obi Wan's hut, which I think is a really cool effect. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of thin lines. Um, yeah, very thin lines. Not necessarily, line not necessarily enclosing the entire contour of a of some features, which is kind of cool. I feel like it might read better to us uh, from our lens of looking back historically, because this yeah. is in a much more contemporary style, whereas For the sure. first one it was in a more classic style. I even. kind I think... of liked the insane boldness of it, like the yeah, really jagged like angles, especially in the action scenes. Kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah impactful I mean, it really feels like like classic comic like dick tracy pow and it's just uh oh, you yeah. know you, you feel it right Bam. yeah you're right yeah there's a lot of really good panels featuring obi-wan in these next few we always f put him in some really strong positions as he's tutoring this, Luke, this one with the black circle behind him in the blue panel i, that, I was thinking oh, exactly that's fun that. yeah but look at it we've got a we've got a great uh not like a triptych we got four pieces of him teaching luke in different positions each in a different color pink so yellow cool. blue, red yeah, yeah. it kind of does montage yeah, that's so cool you're right i feel like this is probably where i will end up doing the most of my annotations i, I i've realized but things like bale antilles oh bale antilles oh, yeah, yeah he was called yeah, antilles back then yeah having the difference between bale bale not being in organa then or whatnot Mm. Which I guess ended up being Captain Antilles, Ramus Antilles, the captain of the yeah. Tandy before, and of course Wedge is also yeah. named Antilles, which I guess yeah. is Lucas lore that Antilles is just not that rare a name. <laughs> I love that. Fine. Okay. Which is such I a like Lucas. I like, when, I like when the lore does the thing like that real life does, where it's like, yeah. like fact is like stranger than fiction. It's just like I don't. That's just normal. Sometimes this people time. just have the same name. It, 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 it's fine. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like it makes the world feel much more real when sometimes things are like a little ridiculous and you're like, no, actually, it's not ridiculous. That's just how, you know, you've lived in the world. Things just happen sometimes. And you're like, OK, you know, that does feel like real life. You know, and it's kind of a paradox that you wouldn't think that a story is more realistic by something ex extraordinary happening. But sometimes, you know, right. Exactly. That's, that's really... um, I did notice that they just uh, no bodies. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they... And... Uncle Owen don't have bodies in this one. No, no smoldering skeletons to make a young babe feel very uncomfortable. Oh yeah, there is something <laughs> burning, and I kind of I assumed that those are bodies burning, but it's unclear. Oh, in, the, in, shapes. in the other one, yeah, those are like the Jawa. That's Jawa like when they're like, fire. Uh, yeah. Oh no, they definitely do that. But uh, when they first um, when they first when, the when they come up to the sand crawler, there's a couple things yeah. burning, and it's they're, unclear yeah. what they are, and they could be bodies. Which I think is reasonable, but we do speed pretty quickly to the um, through these action bits. I think they must have seen the movie, or at least seen promotional material mm -hmm. in the second issue, because all of the characters are are they look like they're actors. Yeah, much they're better. better. Like some of these, yeah. and maybe part of that is in the inking as well, because it definitely seemed like um, Chaykin was really emphasizing Luke's cheekbones, which. I, you know, I feel like when you don't emphasize them as much, it looks more like Mark Hamill. He looked on the covers; it looks like a He-Man character, yeah. as like a That's right, yeah. like comic hero. Yeah. And then we move towards a much more human-looking character, yeah. which must be once they know who's cast as Luke. Yeah, they also could have like, yeah, if they just see the casting list, you know, you can just be like, well, I know what uh, Harrison Ford like, looks like. Yeah, Harrison Ford or. or 
He wasn't popular. Not, not like that, but he, he, I mean, he had more success. He literally retired, hadn't he? He decided he was done, and then they brought him back for one more movie. And was it, was it that and much? he got popular. For the original? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. definitely had a career under his belt by the time. Star he had Wars a few movies, out. but he wasn't successful, yeah. and he was pretty upset about it. That's and fair. he wanted to be done. Yeah, he didn't think Star Wars was going to be the role that made him. Um, much um, to his chagrin, it was. But then he got... <laughs> yeah. yeah and then and then he got to Indiana yeah. jones which he actually uh, speaking liked. of oh, like yeah. your muscle bound like protagonist it is interesting that the writer roy thomas on this series is probably best known for uh working on the conan the barbarian series for marvel oh okay. bringing that ah. into the mainstream of american comics gotcha Maybe that is part of what was in the air then um let's see into the bar I love the lighting. The ink does a great job of conveying the tone of the setting. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the, well, actually, I really like the A Jedi Knight oh. uh, panel. Him beating the oh, show. Yes. Yes. Jedi Knight holds some weight over here. I love the phrase Jedi Knight, especially in yeah. uh, the original trilogy. I agree. It feels like Jedi Knight feels like, I don't know, he's a he's like a mid-tier Jedi going out fighting with the clones or anything in the prequel trilogy, but Jedi mm. Knight is, you know, it harkens to a finer age, just like uh, mm-hmm. the original pitch that Obi-Wan gives yeah. us, and I, I love it every time they do that. I love the way he sheathes his lightsaber, like like uh, Katana like style. It's so yes. sick. Oh, and in that panel, we also have potentially a nod to... Uh, Oh no, there's no way. But he looks he looks like uh Neil Gaiman's uh dream. Oh, uh, the guy at the no uh, because it, foreground yeah, yeah, on the left. Well before, With the before mask. Sandman. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's so like so that. looks like it. So surely absolutely unrelated, but caught my attention. I wrote down that the Wookiee description is something to read. Yet this oh, yes. comical quasi Wookiee face, the <laughs> anthropoid is anything but gentle looking, nor does its deep throated unintelligible response <laughs> ease Luke, Luke's mind much. Gronk. <laughs> Classic Wookiee. <laughs> yeah, Chewie looks a lot, mm, I want to say like a lot more threatening, like just in his facial expressions. Yeah. In the film version. I feel like it the film version yeah, could really. definitely like obviously brawl, I, right? But like he's turn, not. turn the page once. I tell me if that's an intimidating face to you. <laughs> 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 he looks like a little Sasquatchy. A little derp face. Oh my god, you're so right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh oh uh the one of the longest debated star wars arguments oh yeah uh, we, we oh, tied on han firing first yeah. here i did i really write this as a difference between this one and the special edition i was like yeah yes they, oh absolutely well that's, that's the special edition is when he changed it right that's or correct that the, yeah, it was yeah, always so, han shot first yeah yeah but, so but, that is that'll be a really notable thing in the in the next one and I love tossing a coin to the barkeep. Sorry for the mess. He just murdered someone in here. He does it in the movie, too. It happens in the movie. movie. It's yeah. just kind of more comical I, when you have it, like, in one funny. panel in the background. Yeah. yeah I don't recall it happening. <laughs> yeah, right, Cash. Like, like, he's already ready, as if this is, like, a normal thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's just how things are handled? Um, oh, for sure. Something that I thought was interesting. I don't know if it's in these panels that we've looked at so far right now. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, a little bit before, uh, where we had the bunny Chewbacca face. The, the Imperial spy is an entirely different design. Oh, for oh, sure. Yes. Than the special edition. Garandin. 
which I think was is most neat. famously a boss this... fight in Star Wars Lego 2. The original. Yeah. <laughs> the original. yeah. Does this character look more like the original? Uh, as someone who's not seen. I don't know. The, I don't know the what the original. original uh, no, it was always Garindan. Yeah, it was always it's the same design. I don't think that yeah. changed. I don't cool. think so. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't think so. Because uh, I do love <clears> that design. Yes. But the alien design I love most is the one and only bipedal Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> that is pretty yes, funny. Yes. Actually, I wait, have a wait, better wait. one for you. Where is he? I He's really funny looking. Okay. Uh, right after Han tosses him the coin, first panel, the left side. Look at that dude. The guy with the, the short guy or the guy with the big insect, the insect head? The head with the massive hands. <laughs> like big big hands. <laughs> I like that he's Boxing either like – this yeah. is either a flirtatious moment of putting the hand up against the wall behind yeah. him, which or which I would – or it's intimidation. But I would yeah. lean towards the first one because the other guy looks very chill. Hands say, the guy looks suave. He's up against the wall. Yeah. Like I yeah, think 100%. I think these two – I think these two are flirting, and that's what I choose to believe. I'm down I with agree. that. I totally agree. But oh, slightly previously though uh, with the Imperial spy leaving the Stormtroopers in. And yeah. so they come into the bar, and they just see Han and Chewie and – the bartender shrugs and leave and yes, they leave yeah. that's all because <laughs> they don't find the the droids yeah. or luke yeah because yes. nobody was there yeah or obi-wan really there's like palm fronds or like air plants hanging around in oh yeah Eisley, and i wonder if those are in the film i need to check hmm. the, what are your opinions on what, what what java shape should we have well i mean obviously the the, the scene as shot could not accommodate Jabba the Hutt as seen in Return of the Jedi, and therefore should not have been uh, ever integrated into a commercial release of Star Wars. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I feel like Han walking over J- Jabba, um, it's just not going to work, man. He's, he, you can get shot. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. He's a very different character. I feel like the comics both made me feel more justified in this being uh yeah i sent a guy to threaten your life and like and we're on the same page if you're dropping the spice then you're setting the precedent and i cannot have that you're but in the comics jamba is very clear in both these iterations that han is his best guy and he really doesn't want to have to murk him so he's he seems like almost uh like kind of appreciative that greedo didn't kill him because uh, now he's still got Han, and he can well, give Han a like second chance. Killing to his best Han guy. wasn't actually what Greedo was supposed to do. Is what it seems like to me. Oh yeah, Greedo was overreaching. That Greedo, Greedo, yeah. Greedo didn't. Greedo's like, I'll really impress him. Greedo was like, yeah. I'm fed up with this Han guy. He's too fucking good. I want him out of the picture. Yes. Yeah, and here he says, "Put your blasters away, men." Han, my boy, I'm only doing this because you're the best, and I need you. But See, if you disappoint me again, I'll put a price on your head so and large. I kind of hate that. I kind of like like Han being like just competent enough to continue surviving, but genuinely not that special. <laughs> yeah, fair. he definitely has the um, like high fantasy. Uh, like we we talk later on, Han is one of the best space pilots in the entire galaxy, and he's he really is like the fastest ship. Like he's flying a freighter, but it's a freighter that goes faster than any freighter has any rights of moving. Uh, so he's he's kind of a fantastical figure as well, and I feel it does a little bit more to justify him being here with Luke, the Chosen One, and the Princess. Um, and I feel like they make up a, a good cast. It's kind of weird if he's just like a dude. Um, 
Like as far as, far as the like high fantasy. I don't know. Like on the other hand, you can say like, well, Luke Skywalker has a destiny, and 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 uh, clearly there's something going on with his inheritance. But like on the other hand, he's just a guy. Like and he's yeah. he's the one who's thrust into that destiny. And but he, yeah, anyone, he's just like. Right? I feel like he's just like most uh, like uh, modern iterations of the King Arthur story. I feel like he's oh, sure. mostly parallel. Like he he is the chosen one. He's just a normal dude who the responsibility has been thrust upon. But that's what makes him so great, and that's what make makes this uh, destiny chose him as opposed to anyone else. Is because hmm. he's a, a down to earth guy. That's the kind of guy we want as a king. Can we talk um, about the blue Snivian right next to Jabba? Who has gigantic widow's peak? <laughs> yeah, his goons kind of look funny. His goons do. He looks funny too. Uh-huh. Oh, so I I, I kind of like that. I, I feel like him stepping on Jabba in the movie. It really feels like he's crossing a line. I feel like if he did it in this one, he might get away with it. With uh, them being specific that Han Solo is someone that Jabba's only going to have killed if it really comes to it, because it's going to hurt him. Sure. It's a less intimidating Jabba, though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's got. He's, he's strange looking. Uh, I think it's uh, second to last page. Oh, third to last page. Shit. These star destroyers. The Zippy star destroyers. They look like they're having a dog fight with Little Millennium yeah. Falcon. I wonder if this is also a product of early concept art where star destroyers were yeah. intended to be like two man yep. ships. I thought this oh, too, sure. but then I looked at the text and it says, yet almost as quickly as they uh, were noticed on the, okay. Um, giant starships, which those still find in the starship. distance are fully 100 times the size of the fleet. Okay, you're right. Those are giant shoes very far away. <laughs> they are giant shoes <laughs> very far away. Yeah. yeah. Although, okay, so there's a line that's present in this and the movie, which is uh, about him. Uh, uh, the Millennium Falcon can really... outrun Imperial ships. I'm not talking yes. the local bulk cruisers, mind you. I'm talking the uh whatever the, the, the corellian, the corellian, big corellian uh, yeah. cruisers corellian cruisers or just ships know. so i i fear i feel that that implies star destroyers and that and i mean like in real ships like in in naval ships the big ones are the fast ones yeah yes it's complicated but generally yeah them. Yeah, in, in like sci-fi we don't really use that usually the small ones are zippy um well, like waste right space don't matter right so that is well, true as well. your engines. What's interesting yeah. in Star Wars is that fighters are aircraft. Yeah. Yes. And yes. capital ships are, are naval ships. Boats. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is a very weird line that the movies walk, anyways. Yeah. Um so even weirder if you're not sure exactly you know, if it hasn't been established yet. So the like yeah, you know, there's no precedent set, I don't think. Yeah. So they're, they're, he's just not running Star Destroyers. Of course, the last panel of this issue is gorgeous. Um, and I would oh, hang I it on my that. wall. It is really good, yeah. Um, I do think that's the best one from the, the whole. The, the, the sort of like peak Silver Age Marvel space inks um, yeah. with rainbow worked in. Oh, it's just so cool. It's pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, both recolorings take away the colors. They make it gray. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh. which is a bit tragic but like yeah it's like sort of like i don't know 70s 80s pop art sensibility i like it all right three yeah, <laughs> um yes i love that alderaan is specified as being green but the colorist is a little bit stable. yeah I, is it I, do, I like that that alderaan color yeah it's a little I bit loose <laughs> yeah. with it yeah 
I mean, it's, it's like Earth. It's like Earth is a little green globe out there. There's not much that's got any green on it. And this one's got green and blue and some red, I assume, deserts. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's nice. I feel like it, it's, it's an Earth-like planet, I feel, is the main thing that they're looking to get across. And there it goes. Gone forever. Gone Bye, Alderaan. Forever. Bye, Alderaan. No. <laughs> not Baleantilles. <laughs> Man. My favorite sequence in this series, I think, is the series of parallel vertical slices showing them getting closer and closer to the Death Star. You see more and more detail on the pencils as you get in closer. Oh, um, yeah. And make out the trench. And oh, then yeah. you turn the page over and blam! Yeah. Full, the full page greebled up. It's still way smaller than the actual Death Star, but I kind of understand yeah. there's a compromise trying to get across the sort of like shape yeah. of the sphere. On the yeah, I feel like size. they did make a mistake in giving the Millennium Falcon a shadow on the Death Star because then yeah. it tells us exactly how far the Death Star or the Millennium yeah, Falcon is, which right. is right next to it. If you hadn't put a shadow there, then we could be far away still. Um, if you back some pages, um, the practice helmet for Luke. Oh yeah, it's just is kind of featureless and yeah, it's like (laughs) it's just one big chunk of metal. Yeah, love it. It's neat. It reminds me of something. It's like those uh, Toa and Nika Bionicle underneath their masks that you slip on. Yeah, that's what's underneath the mask. It's (laughs) smooth head encasing. Yeah, and you just like slide the rubber mask on over it. That's 100% correct. So, <laughs> oh, and I here I noticed that they keep calling him Mr. Solo. I, I Yes. Mr. Solo. And it just seems really funny to me. Yeah, the title Mr. We get to Mr. Han. It doesn't seem to be a Star Wars thing, no. No, that's true. Yeah. The Hang Bay. The Hang Bay, oh, that, yeah, they're creating new lingo. I love it. Yeah. yeah. The first, the first issue had a lot of like in a sprawling feeling sci-fi lingo uh, that cleans up pretty quickly in this series. Once yeah. we know what the Star Wars terminology uh, is, once once the creators have gone to the theater and seen the movie, yeah, <laughs> like spacecraft doesn't get used. Like above the yellow planet, tattooing a gigantic imperial starship. Okay, pursues a rebel spacecraft. Okay, sure, it's deadly laser bolts. We don't say laser that bolts. anymore. Disintegrate you know, right, the smaller ships. There are blaster bolts, but there are not laser bolts. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. That there's a very specific language for Star Wars that mm-hmm. kind of sets it apart from other um, like science fiction and space fantasy. So there's like a lot of those, and those definitely caught my attention a lot in the first one. But I stopped noticing them, and I think it's because it, the language changes in this series. Wookie just totally slaps the crap out <laughs> of this one Imperial officer. Slap <laughs> number two. Fucking Chewbacca is massive here. Yeah, he's so much, so much a buffer in this that he is in the fucking movies. You're right. Yeah, because in the movies he's mostly lanky. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's very long. Oh, yeah. He's but a, here he's, he's just like fucking, he's massive. He's like, so you can see the muscle definition under all that hair. Under the fur. Yeah. It's so terrifying. Uh, I, oh, this this whole scene with them hiding in the compartments is interesting to me. It's it's a lot quieter and slow burn in the movie. Uh, right, wherein this one is all handled within a single two-page spread. So, so this is another place where we kind of trade the tension of the movie and like not knowing what's happening next for some more technical information where things are better explained 
like here even crack imperial troopers those cruel murderous murderous guardians of a far-flung galactic empire which is also great because we haven't explained what a star uh, like a stormtrooper is yet really they show up and like we get that they're like the bad guys but we actually like put some weight to the stormtroopers uh but even they cannot thoroughly search a whole freighter without proper scanning equipment but when a pair of these armored soldiers carry the huge sensory apparatus onto the captured Corellian ship, they have an unexpected welcoming party. So, like, we kind of get it as, like, a little bit of, like, visual comedy in the movie, which is good yeah. after, like, the tense waiting. And in this one, we got all the information so we understand what is actually happening for sure, as opposed to kind of implying it. Yeah. Where, like, I think uh, a viewer could not be totally sure. So we, it, it tells us what their gambit is in explicit terms, which I appreciate. I really like the prison scene. Or like the, the the uh, oh my gosh, yes, the fighting the fighting at at the prison terminal. You know, it's what I mean? really fun because they explain that Luke and Han are like, oh no, he's loose. We got to shoot him, and they inexplicably shoot only the stormtroopers. And then the last one, who yeah, he finally understands, and he's like, wait, and then he gets shot by Han. I yeah. love that. Um, and then I love the panel, uh, the bottom panel with Han and Luke in their stormtrooper outfits. Yeah, running away. R- yeah, running. Solo, the officer in charge is going to push the alarm system and then stop him, kid. Stop him. Yeah, <laughs> I love this panel. This is probably this is my favorite panel from the entire. It's good. Entire six issues. I really like it, and I yeah. like that this followed by "Way to go, kid! You'll make you'll make a space pirate yet." Because in this comic, he's a space pirate. I guess he's a space pirate. <laughs> oh yeah, we're going to be seeing more space piracy very soon. <laughs> There's some sections that are just exactly the same as the movie, and they just give me delight because it's just a great scene, which yes. is uh, everything under control, slight weapon malfunction, it shoots it. It was a boring conversation anyways. Genuinely <laughs> the reason that Han Solo is persistently my favorite character in Star Wars. It's yeah. Such a good interaction. Such a good scene. What's your operating number? What's your operating number? <laughs> uh, boom. <laughs> <laughs> the way his mind works just delightful <laughs> i really love the, the robot chicken version of that scene is really good too it's one that's one worth giving a look at i assume that you guys haven't seen it yeah. so i'm not gonna try and describe it i've I definitely seen it on a compilation it, but yeah, yeah I've okay. all. um oh, re- reading this aloud just for the fun of it was really great i love the exasperation through the scene like through the uh, the fight on the on that cell block and then once they go get stuck in the dinoga pit and everything yeah. like yeah. Uh, there's just a a specific tone to everyone's voices because everything is just crazy and they're all about to die in every single moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I love I love Luke yelling 3PO into the radio trying to get him. It's just <laughs> yeah. just something about it. Uh, it looks like you've managed to get yeah. up the only escape route. <laughs> Begging your forgiveness, your highness, but maybe you'll prefer it back in your cell. Yeah, they had so much like chemistry upon, with each other. Han Leia interactions are always top yeah. tier. Yes, I do think that's got to be one of the most important things, really, to Star Wars being like such a successful movie. Is like they they really nailed the chemistry between yeah. the main cast. They're just so good on screen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I will say on this last page of like this cold take, cold cold take. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on the last on the last page of this, uh, as you can see in the very top panel. That guy who's that stormtrooper who's crawling on all fours. Uh-huh. He just hit his head on the top of the door. Oh my god! Like no <laughs> way. From it's like that, a blooper. Same scene. You're oh my right. god! You're right. As they're as they're 
Right, so it would be when the stormtroopers are blasting their way into the locked door to get onto the detention level. Yeah. There mm-hmm. were a lot of re- reshoots of that scene because the actors in the stormtrooper outfits actually couldn't see yeah, out of they the helmets and had to try to navigate this narrow area with this yeah. giant helmet on. Yep. <laughs> and that's definitely the yeah, scene that out. they were given. And, yeah, and in the final, in the final scene... And the one that made the cut, there is still one of the stormtroopers hitting oh, his head really? in the top. That's great. I love there's a there's a dead stormtrooper there, and then two of them firing back, and this guy's not dead. He's on his hands and knees <laughs> with his head in hand. Still like, I'm trying to fight my way through. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. Professional crack army. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deadly precision. Yeah, only, uh, only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Yeah, I do appreciate that when you get the time to explain things in text with the narrator. And I think the narration is so good. There's so many moments that we're not like highlighting of just uh, great explanations of things and great phrasing of like setting yeah. the scene. It's just such a good job setting the scene. This is sort of typical of Stan Lee's Marvel. Um, if we're going to be making comics for children, uh, then we're at least going to expand the vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's phenomenal. And delightful. Oh, it explains some things like what the characters are thinking and stuff like Luke out shooting stormtroopers, right? This is something that, you know, it's oh, an action yeah. movie, so we can just say yeah. Luke is the good guy, so he outshoots the stormtroopers. And we're always like, oh, yeah, stormtroopers, marksman accuracy, but they just miss everything. And uh, they have the luxury in the comic form of just saying something felt right and kind of alluding that it's the force whenever Luke yeah. is forced into a dire situation. I, I think that does a lot to smooth over some of the, I agree, uh, belief. It was, it was, it was fun to read. I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. I like that. You kind of, yeah. I feel like going back and watching the movie after that, I'll go and like, Oh yes, he was tapping into the force there for a moment. Uh, he yeah. is, he is landing the shots where the stormtroopers don't. And it could be that that's what's in the novelizations, you know, that that's what's described oh, yeah. in the novelizations. And we just don't know because they didn't they feel they could fit it into the movies. Yeah, I don't recall. So I found it interesting that throughout the entire run here, they don't whenever the Death Star is referred to, it's not referred to as the Death Star. It's just referred to as Death Star. Oh, really? Oh, uh... Yeah. Mm, R2's plugged into the Death Star's... Oh, the, okay. The isn't the Death Star. It's the monitoring yeah. system of the Death Star. Okay, okay. I'll, yeah. I'll keep looking for more examples. I, it pointed out to me a few times. I, I, it stuck out to me a few times. Oh, yeah. So, And I wrote it down specifically for this issue, so it's got to show up somewhere. I, I really enjoyed that comlinks in this version of the storytelling are miniature cathode ray tube, ray tube televisions with a little radio antenna sticking out the top. <laughs> That's extremely huh. fun. <laughs> okay, yeah. Huh. <laughs> You're right. Tiny that is funky. <laughs> they have a screen on them? Oh, that one does have a screen on it. I thought I figured yeah. that was just one on the console, though. The others just look like handheld radios to me, though. No, I think it, it looks the exact same as the one that Luke has in the previous page, but yeah. Uh, also, the fact that the identifying plaque on the garbage compactor <laughs> is written in, like, Arabic numerals, which would never <laughs> yeah. appear in Star Wars. Oh, that's, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It is it a always little has to be space funny script. Space script. I'm a little sad that we miss out on the scene where C3PO thinks that they've killed them because they're all screaming <laughs> and whooping yeah. for joy at being alive. I love that scene yeah. and just missed out. It's a good scene. I also love that uh, here at uh, one of these pages, them leaving the, the trash compactor, 
the Dianoga is still trying to grab yeah, the little tentacle sticking out oh, trying to grab on. on one more time <laughs> doesn't that thing ever give up uh, I like all of Obi-Wan also I've realized Obi-Wan spends a lot of time throughout Star Wars like he is essentially like galaxy's best wet worker he's so good <laughs> just sneaking into military facilities <laughs> that's right that's all he does yeah, uh, I feel like they do a great job of nailing the vibe of any time he's sneaking around. The I was going to say that. Though. Yeah, all of the Kenobi sneaking things are really cool. I really like them. So actually, I think the comic does get the, like, the tension and quietness of those scenes for Obi-Wan onto the Death Star specifically. I feel like that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Uh, while watching those scenes. Yeah. yeah there's, some, there's some crazy one right before... Uh, Darth Vader catches up with him. Yeah, well, in the same page that we were looking at there, we get this really great line. You know, kid, getting back to the Falcon is going to be like flying through the five fire rings of Fornax. That's great. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I just thought that was was something as well. Yeah, I I love those. Uh, We were talking earlier about like what we'll talk about later with the Womp Rat scene. Yeah, the Womp Rat scene, where he talks about <laughs> nailing Womp Rats. And there's so many throwaway lines, like... Uh, throwaway like lines him, that never need to be explained, like, you fought yeah. alongside my father in the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. Don't need yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I think that's, like, some of it is so cool. Like, the Clone Wars, we actually made it a thing. That's so cool. But, like, fleshing out these lines to be big epic stories is very cool. But on the other side... I wish I never knew that, that solo was. Star Wars story did not show Han Solo's famous run through the five fire rings of Fornax. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, I know. Because yeah. um, run in, in 12 parsecs or yeah. you know, other things of this nature. Yeah, yeah. And a lot, there's a lot to say about that. But I mean, like, I'd love the sheer weirdness of that scene. Him just speaking up and this kid that just showed up. Oh, yeah, I, I nail Womp Rats. And it's just like, I feel like if you were there just watching this in the theater for the first time, this could be one of the most bewildering things to have ever seen. <laughs> like, <laughs> on a movie screen, he just pipes up. That's more than two meters large. <laughs> yeah, we're, yes, it's, it's, they're almost, or they're, uh, what, they're almost that small? You know, it's, it's, <laughs> like, it's that, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a womp rat and, and they're, and they're, they're only a bit larger. Yeah, they're a little bit larger than two meters, yeah. Yeah, it's like the implication that they're giant some sort of rat. What makes it all womp rat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and his his T-16 that he's nailing it in, we haven't even, we don't mention that. It's like later that's been fleshed out, maybe through novelization even, that the speeder he has and yeah, the I'm not toy sure. is of a T-16. But just from watching the movie, you just go, I don't know what a T-16 is. I don't know what a womp rat is. I don't know why he feels the need to tell anyone this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he feels he's allowed to talk at this meeting even. This guy is precocious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why is he doing that? I want to flag up a coloring issue. It was a sort of personal bugbear for me reading this, um, which is that whenever Darth Vader is placed in the foreground in front of a space background... Um, well, Darth Vader's generally colored mm-hmm. as like blue-ish, um, but Ooh, in the yeah, both yeah. the later recolorings, he's just kind of recolored gray, like dark gray, and he really just kind of disappears no. uh, like into the backgrounds in those in those yeah. panels. The blue is really good. I mean, especially this 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 panel with him. I, I assume that's the one you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, I'm the looking at right after he him. kills Obi Wan, or um, makes Obi Wan more powerful oh, than possible. Oh. One could say, but it applies for all the other panels where yeah, he's in front uh, of the face. That panel, that panel is cursed. <laughs>
Oh, was hi, Darth Vader. Was lifting the rope with the tip of his lightsaber. And it just hand on his hip. So <laughs> like, less peaceful than it is in the movie. This makes it look like it's like a terrifying thing. That like... <laughs> just poking at it with his laser sword. I love it. And I love how much more upset Luke is that Obi-Wan dies than Leia appeared to be that Alderaan... Oh, I guess yeah. she was trying to keep up uh, some sort of resistance, but... Appearances, that's definitely true. I okay. This whole thing. So I was talking about Obi Wan wet working, and there's this section of narration that I think really captures it, and then sets us into the duel, which I think is handled phenomenally. The whole duel I, I, I thought was a highlight yeah. of this series. Yeah, I wrote that. Yeah. Uh, if I may, Ben Kenobi seems nearly a part of the passageway itself as a large cluster of troopers hurries past him. Then, pausing to make certain they've all passed, he starts down at himself, failing to see the dark silhouette which eclipses the light far behind him as. Darth Vader follows him. Like it's so yeah. cool. Like he, yeah. he's he's doing such a good job, but Darth Vader is even on to him because earlier I, I like Darth Vader being like, it's a presence I haven't felt in many and he just pauses and leaves. I think that's a hilarious exit to that <laughs> yeah. scene. I think it's less less funny in the movie. But it's he's just like in the middle of saying something to like whatever stormtroopers there with them at the loading bay. And he just funny leaves. because the narration like, explains that. Yes. Darth Vader just pauses in mid-sentence and just leaves ducks out yes yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, i just don't understand guy, why i've never understood in that scene why he feels okay this new ship came to the death star he feels obi-wan's presence in a vague way so he's not exactly sure where on the death star he is but on the other yeah. hand he only faulted as soon as they yeah, brought I mean, in this new ship and then he leaves yeah. and does not yeah, fall upon it <laughs> yeah. he leaves to brood off camera <laughs> He's got. He's got to get the. He's, he's got to get the, the cheese, the nacho cheese. He's got to go. Oh yeah. Yes. That's right. Oh yes. Yes. For nacho the laser moon. more popular than we anticipated. <laughs> oh my god. But uh, there's some great shots. Like we get to, and it's, it's much more action packed as well. Unfortunately, uh, that is that is something that I think nowadays sits with me a little less. Is that the lightsaber duel is a little low impact uh and definitely we, we decide that laser fights are laser sword fights are a really exciting you thing mean in low impact movies. in the sense where it's causing less stress on their geriatric joints <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah which is <laughs> understandable but we get some good action in this rendition and lots of narration to tell us just how intense it is and they're saying some cool stuff your powers are weak old man sure you should never have come back sure you only know half the force vader and then obi-wan says you perceive its full power as little as a spoon perceives the taste of food it's incredible savage <laughs> uh, and it really emphasizes that obi-wan is like straining against his his physical yeah. form and they have the of course they have a face-to-face -face, like hilt lock of their swords where we can yeah. really dwell on everything, like titans of some lost time. That's exactly what I want. And you're also correct about <laughs> the the blades all being red still. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's that one panel there where because they want them to be hitting uh, right above that the, yeah. the blade lock, mm -hmm. where Obi Wan's is yeah, white. I think that just might for just one be panel to differentiate them. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, maybe yes, for sure. That way you can get the shocks, like yeah, arc yeah. Locks or whatever. Fitters. Our characters are much more surprised for this. I like Luke really feeling it with that full panel dedicated to him screaming out for Ben. Yeah. 
Oh, oh, oh and uh, the narration also explains that um, in the movie, he just kind of stops fighting and kind of lets yes. Vader poke him, and then yeah. he's just dead. And uh, this one, we say he he intentionally steps back into view of the hangar. He notices that he's going to be a distraction for them to get across. And then it's uh, then it's the character what we're going He's he's being the diversion. Yeah, and I, that's not really felt the in the ship. movie, so I appreciate that. It kind of makes sense that he dies there because he's he's leveling up Luke, sure, but also he's actually distracting to allow them to get across that gap without getting shot to death. So yeah. I think that's it makes me feel a lot better. I'm going to keep that in my head canon for watching the movie and go, yes, Obi-Wan is dying here right now because he knows it'll allow them to survive. Um, Something I thought, th- thought that was interesting was uh, this TIE pilot looks wacky. I'm not sure what oh, the yeah, conical helmet cool. is about. Yeah, it's it is a design that does not come back later. Actually, there are later in this comic there become two more different designs for pilots. For pilots. Yeah, it's very hmm. confusing. So you know, it's something. Um, the giant panel where Vader and Tarkin look off into space to find planets to blow up it keeps changing. Um, in this <laughs> yeah. issue, it's a very Star Warsy, very Imperial trapezoid um, with nice beveled edges. Whereas when we saw it before. We saw it before; it was sort of rounded, and it had like lots of like sort of nondescript machinery all over the place. Um, that definitely reminds me of like Silver Age superhero comics, but didn't really say Star Wars to me. I feel like the visual yeah. language of Star Wars is locked in at this point. Yeah, at least for like mechanical designs. When Han and Luke are shooting down Tie Fighters when they're getting chased yeah. from the Death Star, we get this really fun panel of Han Solo. Big old thumbs up to the to the camera. We did it, kid! Uh, yeah. Oh my god, yes! It's a great thing. <laughs> I love the foreshortening with the thumb, like the, the force perspective with the thumb up close. Yes, That's yeah. Fun. No, I really like yeah. that panel. Very uh, cinematic. Also, okay, this this is something I noticed at the beginning of this scene with them fighting off the poor ties. Almost instantly, Luke finds himself setting uh, into the laser cannon on one side of the fleeing starship. And he's thinking about. He's just like, I've never fired this kind of gun, but I got to do it for Ben Kenobi. And they say that. Uh, Han is having more mundane thoughts. Yeah, like, and then it's then, it's then Han is having the least mundane thoughts. He's thinking yeah. about like the value of Obi Wan's life and like, and you know, it's making sure that that life doesn't happen in vain. He's like, I'm one erstwhile space smuggler, not going to see him die in vain. Like, yeah. he, he's doing a lot more thinking about the value of life. It feels. Yeah, I, Luke was. I was like, I was like, oh, are we gonna get like a weird thing about him, like thinking about like food or something? And there's like, no, <laughs> no, oh, no, okay. it's him being much more humanizing. <laughs> uh, we get to this thing with with uh, Han and Leia having your friend is indeed a mercenary, Luke. Right? Uh, yeah. I wonder if he really cares about anything or anybody. And then, and then the fucking so Luke, Luke thought bubbles. I do, princess. I care. Yeah, I I love that it's a a, uh, a thought bubble in this version. <laughs> I also love. Uh, we had this bit where uh, Han is just messing with them too, because Han because yes. Luke whispers to, to himself good when he says he doesn't. He tries not to think yeah. about her. And so Han just ribs him by saying, do you think it's possible for a princess to that guy like me? And he goes, no. I love how in this version, it focuses on Luke's gritting, like Luke's anxiety from this. Like he's gritting his teeth. Whereas the other version that we're going to look at from Dark Horse uh, really focuses on what a kick Han's getting out of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They both made me laugh, of course. 
Um, so we delivered the secret plans to the rebel base, and they're doing their flight briefing. I, I do think it's fun that Han needs to be at the briefing, even though he doesn't intend to go. He, he just likes yeah. yeah. Before he got paid, they seem to have very lax code around here. <laughs> who gets to be there? <laughs> yeah, I guess everyone's already through the security clearances if they're even there. That's fair. Sort of, I don't know. <laughs> also, um, I don't think it's addressed in any version I've seen where Darth Vader's like, we put a tracking device on the ship, that's great. And then Leia's like, there's no way they let us go that easy. There's a tracking device on us. And then they go to the base anyway. They do. Yeah. I, yeah, um, I was just kind of weirded out by so that. So I'm like, it feels like one of those, uh, everyone's got like plans within plans. Not really that much, but there, there's like a couple plans going on and everyone on the other side is fully aware what the plans are. Like with her trying to trick them with Dantooine. Yeah. <clears throat> like pretty quickly, everyone knows what everyone else's gambits are. And then we just don't do anything about that. We just continue on. <laughs> like, like I know what they're up to plays right into it. Leia's reasoning was that she felt that they needed to destroy the the Death Star as quickly as possible. That's oh. what she says. And it's like, okay. well, we just need to get this. Uh, hopefully they can find a weakness in a very quick time so that we can destroy the Death Star as fast I, as I possible. I guess leaving Tarkin with a free hand commanding the Death Star, you probably expect he's going to keep doing genocides um, on a daily basis. That's fair. Yeah, I think I yeah. think that's what Leia, Leia's thought process was. Let's just get this done before he blows up another planet. Because he was willing to destroy Alderaan with no reasoning. Alderaan has just, a senator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's like one of the like highest population planets or something crazy like that. Like it's a mm-hmm. it's it's a pretty important planet. It definitely seems and, to have some political and or cultural significance in the empire. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think it's justified for her to be like, uh, whatever. And 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 you know what? If they they bring the uh, they bring the Death Star to Yavin, so they don't even have to go out out of their way to. <laughs> that does help, but also it means that they're like six seconds away from Yavin being. <laughs> Yeah, uh, mega nuked, space nuked. So it, it does rely on them taking the codes, deciphering them, finding a weak point, and acting on it within the one day that it takes for the for Death sure. Star to get to them. Yeah, so the yeah. question mark five minutes to two days that it takes to get anywhere in the galaxy via hyperspace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, over here, one of the pardon me, General Dodonna, but what good are snub fighters going to be against that? Just they said yeah. snub fighters. I've snub not fighters. seen that in Star Wars ever before. Yeah, and you can tell it's a snub fighter because in the very last page, it's the most snubby looking. I really had to cut off a lot of it. The one in the background is is normal, I, <laughs> but yeah, I, I understand a decision had to be made here. They definitely say the, snub fighters in the film, but. Yeah, this is like a Star Wars oh, okay. system that just never shows up again, so it's weird. Uh, the mention of Luke's father during the sortie, I thought was interesting. I don't think this gets... Yeah, Red Leader knew Luke's father and flew alongside him. He knows Luke's yeah. going to be okay, and that's how he gets on the squadron. Yes, yeah. And I thought that was a, that was a nice uh, way to, to determine that he gets on the squadron. That's cool. I was like, okay, they're not just throwing some random kid. There's two members of the squadron who vouch for him to get on yes this big says yeah. oh this okay. is luke he's he knows his way around a t16 i guess yeah, yeah. he trusts him big a big space is like he'll be fine and this other guy's like oh he flew with it's like uh oh he's anakin's son sure let's do it well i wouldn't go as far as saying he, he's anakin's son but he is the son of the guy that this guy that wrote red leader flew with 
Um, we I do not know Skywalker that Anakin. No, I, I know this. Yeah. I know this. But I was just yeah, saying. I met yeah. your father once when I was just a boy. He was a great pilot. If you if you've got half your father's skill, you'll do better than all right. After Biggs vouches for him, nice. So that is that is nice, especially with him being like the uh, second squad leader when they divvy up into uh, subunits, and he takes the the final run. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Um, and then in the final issue, we get some of the most epic um, space battle art imaginable, in my opinion. This oh, yeah. got some oh, great oh, art. Also, uh, I, I think I skimmed over the sections in the in the hangar, to be honest. But they uh, they also say the galaxy will be a lot better with this when the sons of the original Jedi Knights are back on the scene. Yeah, like Yoda Junior. <laughs> yeah, baby Yoda. So some more of that, like uh, the legend status of Steven Windu. Uh, yeah. Also, that his dad is well known. Yeah, Stephen Window, Windu. Yeah, I love the, the the standing by, and they're all in different colors. The colors again that that sort of pop art sensibility oh, as yes. it goes through the panels: blue, two, three, four, five, and six standing by. Yeah, rocks. Yeah. It's really good. And in the 2015 recolor, they take it all away because the the. I understand the, the ethos behind it, but basically the, the formula for how they recolored was everything is going to be like realistic tones. And so yeah. it makes some things really pop and make it look a lot more modern in many contexts. But sometimes having stylized is what you want. And this was definitely intentionally stylized. Yeah. Oh, it's a shame. I think every happened. panel with a starship in this issue just rocks. It does. Yeah. yeah they got some really good. Yeah. Really showing off. Um, again, you have a lot of people working on this issue. Yeah. Makes sense. Oh, so here we go. Third page. We now have two more new Imperial pilot designs. One is just a stormtrooper who has oh, yeah, the tubes so going up to his helmet. The life and the system. other one is just something completely different. Yeah. Which we've never seen before or since. And later in this same issue, we'll have the standard... Darth Vader's two co-pilots, or his two wingmen. I'm going to be honest, that oh, yeah. pilot in the foreground looks a little bit like the Corvus pattern uh, Space, Space Marine Marines. armor. Yeah, like old school, like 80s Games Workshop, 40k. That, I think it might be Mark II uh, Space Marine. I, I would only know. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was interesting, the, 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 the designs. Yes, the fools. They just throwing yeah, this battle around. station is the ultimate power in the universe. They're mad, that's what they yeah, are. I, Every once in a while, some dudes kind of show up, just Imperial fellas that are not stormtroopers, and they have opinions on things that are going on. And I think no that's matter. We'll funny. blast them out of the sky. Like, okay, fella, uh, Imperial dude on the Death Star. I don't know what your job is, what your name is, but I, I'm happy that you feel confident. I love that they're just kind of like having conversation during the battle, having conversations about how how stupid they think the rebels are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, something I felt that was kind of disrespectful, not gonna lie. Jack Porkins Jack. gets, uh, <laughs> so long, Piggy. Yeah, it's Piggy I mean, Porkins. So long, Piggy. Piggy no, Porkins. I think that I think it's totally legit. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're in the military together. That's a good point. That, that definitely oh, no, no, is like military it, culture. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like no, yeah, uh, no, I, yeah, as like a call sign. Sure. 
yeah like there's some people that you just call fng like and that's just the name that you use for him so i think he's getting off just fine for them calling him poor piggy because okay, the last I would name say that people can do that and it still is disrespectful i don't think which i guess implies that they have pigs domesticated pigs in yeah, it doesn't apply <laughs> yeah. no, no no the thing is that those those like disrespectful usernames start off disrespectful but they change right like a disrespectful someone into being fine with the fact that they're getting bullied like that no no no, no. All the time. no 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 sure. the thing is the thing is if you call the the brand new private first class piggy like it's because you can just shit on them but if you yes. like who but starts off as a private around? first class or, yeah yeah i'm totally Isn't that an e4 that, but, uh, oh no e4 would be like a corporate um, right so it's probably e3 yeah, anyway, I think it's, I think it's, it's like, like private, and then private for first class, and then and then uh, specialist or corporal. Right. Let's move yeah. on. So, talk about this here. We can talk about this later. My point is just yet. like I, I think I think it's reasonable to assume that it's like a, a nickname that he got when he was new, and he's like a veteran pilot now, and it's a nickname sure. as a sign yeah. of like respect yes. and familiarity. I like uh, that. Yeah. That that makes it feel better for me. Yeah, that's how I read it. I was like, well, he, you know, look at his stoic face, like holding back the tears. So yeah, long, Piggy, so long, you'll Piggy. be avenged. Like that's, you know, like that would be like if you died and I was like, you know, Gabriel. Gabriel. Oh, God. You know, I, I'm I feeling that disrespectful. But alas, it is a young old voice which sounds in his ears, a familiar voice. A young old voice. Oh, you mean Ben Kenobi's young old voice? Yeah, sure. It's young old voice. No, yeah. I think that's right. I understand on. what they mean by it, but I think it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel. Oh, I feel like like the enigmatic nature yeah. of it really makes it feel like it's the Force, not just uh, the voice of Obi Wan talking to him because he's clearly old. So if it's old young, there's something else going on. Yeah. It well, feels also, that, now that Obi Wan is like non corporeal, he's kind of like outside the normal realms of space and time. Yeah. yeah um he shoots at the death star and there's like a big explosion and he has to fly through it and it like damages r2 and it's really hot yeah. he's like, but where luke skywalker knows the terrors of the damned is what they say yeah. <laughs> but i'm flying through that explosion that's crazy everything gets really intense in this uh, uh biggs's uh, death is very impactful here um i thought that was pretty good because yeah. i feel like his death is much less impactful in the movie it's definitely yeah. important because Biggs has been built up from the beginning of the film. And exactly. something they had to really pare down when they re-edited it. Yeah. I feel like Porkins dying too, like that that hit. And then we move on and then that itself also gives Biggs characterization, which makes his death more impactful, right? Oh yeah, we get it's him to do something twofold. like he cares. Because yes, you, get, you get his inner monologue. Yeah. Uh, uh oh yeah I, I i wrote down suddenly correct pilot attire um uh, <laughs> and then uh let's see the explosions i really like the way the way that they did uh, uh starship explosions here where it's like this a different color within the explosion that is the silhouette of the ship the silhouette of the sort of disintegrating parts of the ship yes yeah i really like those Oh my god, some of these are crazy. Perhaps it is a mercy of a sort that he will never know what his, that his torpedoes missed the two-meter target by the merest fraction after one yeah. of them gets shot. Like, oh my god, like, this this got so intense so fast. Like, remember where we were at the beginning of the first issue where everything seems like a little hokey and we've got the yeah. uh, He-Man on the cover? And that, a mercy of a sort that he'll never know his torpedoes missed. I mean 
I think I think six really. I feel like when I got to six, I was like, I think I, I became very fully immersed. I was like, okay, this is. It really felt like it hit its full stride, and I was really becoming absolutely nails it. Yeah. yeah, I feel like this is this is the tone that I feel from all of the best Star Wars comics that I've read. Yes, like, I feel like they all imitate this tone that they hit by this sixth issue. Yeah, Darth Vader never mentions that the Force is strong in Luke. Oh, oh. he doesn't notice. I looked over it three times, and I just don't think they maybe they just didn't want to have a panel dedicated to that or something. I felt like it could have been written somewhere, but but yeah, he never he never talks about it. Right. Yeah, because in this in this version, essentially Vader and Luke have no relationship whatsoever. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say there's much less discussion about him turning off the computer. It's a very big part of the the movie where he learns it's to like, trust the Force. Yeah. yeah, and here it's just kind of like uh, he turned it off. But he already learned to trust the Force in a couple previous fights in this version. Yeah. With yeah. the, the four TIE fighters and with the right after Ben dies. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's a, like, a few more uh, stormtroopers. Uh, right. One of the big things is that, like, uh, the people back in the control center have watched him turn off his targeting computer. And they're like, Luke, you got to turn that back on. And everybody's freaking out back home, a- a- back at the base. Yeah. And that's just, it's not even mentioned with like everybody else's anxieties. Yeah. Luke just tones it out and we focus on his experience in this version. Yeah. Which I mean, I think that could. I think it's neat. I it's feel different. like both both iterations of the Death Star Trench Run, both in this Marvel version and in the Dark Horse version with the special edition, do yeah. a lot to flesh out Luke's perspective in the trench in the in the battle. Oh yeah, yeah. In different different aspects of it. Yeah, I do like that the narration can give us inner monologues and the thought bubbles as well. Absolutely. Yes, I think it. Yeah, I think it adds a lot to the the narrative. Um, and then we get to the destruction of the Death Star, which has got to be one of my favorite single it's panels. A panel. It's a great panel. Um, Top in Star Wars it, comics. It's amazing. I think the one of the last one of him approaching is great as well. Such action as he comes down the trench. No one else left oh, yeah. behind or in front of him. I think this just We're looking at the panel the where the, the camera, the camera, as it were, is low inside the trench yes. um, as he swoops past. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's where they say it. They go, Manuel, are you insane? And then the young space pilot does not respond unless it is by yeah. pushing a button on the control panel before him. Yeah, that's just that's the oh. only mention of it. They just go, there you go. And then yeah. that's it. And there's so many good uses, uh, once again, with the narration uh, bubbles. Like, there's the little bit about your eyes can deceive you. You reach out with your feelings. Because in this version, it's clear that he didn't even see the target. He just felt it through the force. Like he literally doesn't even know where this thing is. He just knew when to press the button yes. and uh, trust them, stretch out your feelings. And then on the opposite side of the panel alone, just the two words he did in bold. Like yeah. that's so good. Yeah. It hits uh, before that thing goes supernova. And then it does. It goes supernova. Yeah. Eight pointed star <laughs> with the second sort of halo effect. It's such a such a gorgeous panel, especially yeah. because of all of the work that went into the inks on those radiating uh, sort of blobs, those particle effects. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, you got to put them in by hand. And then that perfect line drawing of an X-wing. Yes, yeah. it all hits so hard. Yeah, it's just right. It's really good. Yeah. 
Um, and then Technicos, hurry up and see to my R2 unit. <laughs> yeah. Again, creating like Star Wars lingo that doesn't ever exist in the films. Yeah. <laughs> that bottom panel on this page looks like Luke. It looks like... Uh, yeah, they must have been very, using very promotional material. Yeah. Because it's, it's like just a noting, It takes a full minute for them to walk down the aisle and <laughs> Chewie's about to bolt. And <laughs> 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 also he doesn't... He's going to get his old metal later. He's got to put it on himself because space princesses aren't that tall. I, I, I love few space princesses. Damn. Some of them are. Some of them are. Mostly uh, uh, Wookiee ones. <laughs> I'd imagine. <laughs> um, I love that a weird production detail from the set creeps its way in here because in the hall where they do the ceremony... Yeah. There is a matte painting in the background to make it look more massive, and they don't have to hire as many extras. And yes. they kind of mask it by having a few little steps, mm-hmm. and that's the yeah. level at which the matte painting happens. And you can really see the change in texture of the assembled of the assembled rebel rebel soldiers and 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 various technical yeah. and stuff. And it got it got such. carried over straight into the into this panel. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Actually, I like that you pointed that out. Um, yeah, and that's the Star Wars. The Star Our Next issue, A New Adventure of the Star Warriors. Which is an interesting phrase. I've never seen it before or since, but only in the Marvel Star Wars series. They do like to say Star Warriors. Star, Star Warriors. Warriors. Yeah, well, that would be someone who fights in the Star War. Yeah, so if you're fighting a Star Warrior, you're a Star Warrior by definition. <laughs> want to go if you want to go like and, and and customize your intro um or whatever uh even episode by episode i don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm green darth vader cool. wait, wait hang on <laughs> um, I like electronic games. arts um uh, uh assures me that pink darth vader is in fact canon god damn it i wish it was in the fucking game they took it out because people fucking hated it so much. And I think it's <laughs> fuck. I, you know what? I don't put it past Darth Vader to have different colored suits. I think it'd be pretty baller. <laughs> I'm genuinely surprised that nobody's ever put like Darth Vader in like a, a, a scarlet suit, right? I think it's just because the, the design is so iconic that yeah. and people are terrified of the, the, the pushback. Yeah, it's, it's wild true. that we've never had an alternate Darth Vader or something. Imagine with all the Darth Vader, and he's like, yeah, considering how many stormtroopers there are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. wacky. <clears throat> considering how many Doom troopers there are. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to a new hope, the special edition from Dark Horse Comics, nineteen ninety-seven. All right, I know how this one goes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the first thing we'll do is go over the uh, issue covers real quick. I mean, the first one, honestly, they feel like they could be alternate. Like, these ones feel like they could be alternate movie covers. You know what I mean? Oh, the posters? Yeah. Yeah, got- for sure. For these, yeah, the covers all feel very. Um, them being paintings, art. I like. Uh, them being paintings, I, I like that. Yeah. I it's must me. say, I do think our artists, uh, I assume the same artist for these covers, uh, the eyes are always not quite in the spot where my brain feels like they should be. Huh. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
Well, I didn't see it before, but now I do. Yeah, actually, the second the second cover, Chewie is a real rough case. <laughs> They're like both <laughs> one's higher than the other. They're both really close to his nose. But oh yeah, it doesn't quite hold up. The other one is just close. Jabba's got like like big anime eyes. Yeah. Well, he's always been a bit of an anime babe, so it's fine. Oh, that's right. Absolutely. That's what I've been saying. I mean, he's already he's already uh, pillow shaped. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Wait, the second one has that one like loader droid, right between Does Jabba and Han. Like, yeah, down there. Yeah, it's got a weird. Why is, it, why is it there? That's not an important droid at all. That's a you know you know why? Droid. Why? Because that droid was computer animated for the special that edition is... and did not exist previously. So it's basically like pulling in things that might be new elements. Just showing off the new, the new uh, furniture, the new. Um, furniture. Yeah, absolutely. And it has Boba That's Fett the... and Jabba there as well. Yeah. The covers were painted. Oh, yeah, that's important for the covers were painted by Dave Dorman, who I believe is also the painter for the covers of the Dark Empire series. Um, oh, that, we'll be that looking into sense. those in the next episode, I think. Um, so, so hold that thought. But yeah, and I, I guess you guys probably noticed that there's a quarter of the Death Star in the corner of each of these covers. You put them together, and it makes a big oh. uh, mega painting. That's fun. Which, when Marvel re-released it's, this, uh, it's something, huh? As a trade paperback Neat. recently, um, oh. they went ahead and took the so original painting, the, the full thing, all four issues, as the cover. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. That's cool. So when we go ahead and get into the issues, the writer, as credited, is Bruce Jones. Um, pencils are by Eduardo Breto. Um, the inks were originally going to be handled also by Eduardo Barreto, but Al Williamson ended up being pulled in. Now, this is really interesting. Al Williamson is one of the quintessential early comics artists for Star Wars. And hopefully we can get into this in the future, but he worked on the Star Wars comic strip in the newspaper syndication, um, which of course is in black and white. Um, so He's got, you know, he's, he's an excellent, excellent inker. In, um, he also did the adaptations for The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi back when they came out in 1980, 1983, respectively. So what happened was the special edition was originally supposed to be coming out in theaters in May, the normal Star Wars month okay. for new Star Wars releases. But Lucasfilm ended up pushing the release date forward all the way to February which put Dark Horse in a bit of a bind. They weren't accustomed to working at super high paces necessarily. The general vibe with Dark Horse is that they're an independent comic book publisher, so all the artists and writers own their own work when they publish through Dark Horse, which is a big movement that was coming during the 80s that also coincided with the transition of comic sales from like normal, normal stores like newsstands and grocery stores and stuff into specialized comic stores. So there's a specialized comic fan base, right? Anyway, Dark Horse isn't really ready to move at that pace, and they just weren't scheduled for it. So they pull in extra people to help work on getting the inks done. So Barreto just does the pencils for the rest of the uh, rest of the issues 
three through four. And then Al Williamson's working on all issues. They also bring in Carlos Garzon, who was a collaborator with Al Williamson way back in the day as well. So I think he also ended up working on the Star Wars comic strip and maybe the Empire Strikes Back. The colors were handled by James Sinclair on issue one and Carrie Porter on the other issues. I don't really know anything about them. Lettering was by Steve Dutro, who I think is a name that shows up again and again in Dark Horse Comics as a letterer. All right, let's go ahead and talk about A New Hope, a totally new film that we've never seen or heard from before. Yeah. I will say something that I will say about this uh, edition, right, this uh, miniseries. Um, yeah. Is that, uh, I mean, the art is very, it's very dark horse. You know, how I, I remember comics being that we've, that I read as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's, I do love it as an art style. I do really like it. It's like, it's like that, it's kind of like 90s edge. Yeah, 100%. I really enjoy a lot of the, I don't know, the posing. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say this, this first, this, I mean, first page or yes, second page. Yeah. Um, with Vader and all the stormtroopers. Yeah, they're sort of lined up in echelon. I like that. I like that a lot. And it's like not not at all like the movie in the slightest. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I gotta say. It, this whole thing a, a lot moves so much faster than the movie. That's also one. true. This is where I was first noticed when we talked about the pacing of the movie versus comics. And this one kind of blitzes through a lot of the action. It doesn't like ham it up in like the Shakespearean way that the original comic does. But yeah. it really hams up a lot of like the violence that comes with it and the action to the fighting. I mean, with yeah. Darth Vader just coming in with a brigade of stormtroopers right at the head of them, as opposed to marching out after everything's done. Yeah, totally different. A big thing here is that right this 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 entire page with with Darth Vader and the C three PO and stuff has no uh, external text boxes. Yeah, the narration oh, yeah. is gone. Actually. I mean, there's a narrative. We see very little of it. There's a little bit. But on this one, there's just none. Yeah. I feel like that follows with the movie, kind of, because we do a direct scroll before, I think. Yeah. I think in the right, right on the inside cover, we get the entire A New Hope scroll as a period of Civil War, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Uh, so, in both so, versions. In both versions, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess that the narration gives us that. And so just like the movie... Uh, in the narrator's voice, we are told about the history that leads us up to the Tantive before uh, getting intercepted. And then it's just right into the action. So it moves to diegetic action. Oh, do you guys know, by the way, why I call it the Tantive before? Why is that? I thought that wasn't that the actual, the, the technically correct pronunciation. That's the way they pronounce it in the audio drama yeah. adaptation. That's, yes. funny. That's a funny yeah. thing for them to decide for that. Because it's not... They had to decide something. Well, I, I just yeah. feel like... I mean, it's not uh, a real word. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, yes. But I feel like even Tantive. I I, I feel naturally... I, I look at it and I go, yeah, Tantive 4. But but Tantive yeah. feels like the, the thing that you'd look at and go, that seems like what they're saying. If you were just giving... Nope, canonically, it's Tantive. Yeah, which is fascinating. Also... I wonder if it's not in canon, though. Uh, if it's just Legends canon. Anyway, go ahead, Gabe. I was going to say, oh, I no. Completely completely different topic, but I just said, uh, yeah, also, best map in Battlefront 2. Best map in <laughs> Battlefront... Oh, God, yeah, we love that map. Best map in Battlefront 2. Absolutely. Real good. More just action shot stormtroopers. They look great. Love them. The stormtroopers do look They great. do. They look really bulky. 
Yeah, yeah. There's much in that sort of nineties comics way. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot less like because like in, in real in real stormtroopers, there's a lot more space. I think between like the the armor, you know. Right. They feel a lot less. Um, almost like I mean these guys these guys they've very armored here, right? They they look like they're covered yeah. head to toe, and they're they're Rather very than, tall like, universally through yes. here. Uh, much taller than Leia, shorter than Darth Vader, though, every time that Darth Vader appears, because, of course, they would be. Uh, yeah, we're getting this, this great shot of Vader so from below here. to really make him look oh, fucking yeah. big and yeah. powerful. I mean, look at this one. He he has to crouch to get through the doorway to get in, and still crouched, he's taller than the stormtroopers coming up to him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Also, also on this panel... That one stormtrooper facing away from us through the armor has crazy lats. So these really are <laughs> <old> stormtroopers. <laughs> it's, it's the nineties in comics. Everybody's just totally, totally yeah. ripped. It's great. Love it. Wait, do we wait? Do we just not have the scene of him? Oh, it's just uh, skipped. Yeah. We skip a lot of scenes in this adaptation. We yeah, even, we don't even kill uh, the 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 ship commander. Well, yeah. we're coming in with it's true. We're coming in with the baseline expectation that you know Star Wars. I think yeah. I do think yeah, it yeah. does kind of hand wave a few plot things, and uh, maybe I'll remember them as we as we go by them. Hopefully, I didn't. I didn't. The take one that really glared out to me is that Luke tells Obi Wan, "I can't go to Alderaan." I'm needed at home for the for the for the harvest, and then it's like, oh, we're burning we're burning Jawa corpses. Uh, we're moving on. Yes, that was actually the biggest one. <laughs> like, just... They did straight up did not explain that situation at all. No, it's just gone. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess I'm going to Alderaan. Yeah, <laughs> with with killing the captain, I feel like they could remove that just by having Vader exposit what he just, knows and yes. what he's going to do. So for sure, it, it, they do they do a decent job of doing that. And I don't think it's such an important scene. Again, with a, being a more action-minded telling of the story, that's another one. I mean, what, like, what it does in the like, movie is that it sets up how dangerous Vader is, right? Yeah, and in sure. this one, it's like, That's something we've already done here. Yeah. Like, in this, in this version of the story, time right? we see him, so... Yeah. Yes. I also want to point out that we have two-thirds as many pages to work with here yeah. as in the previous one. Four issues yeah. through the same, like, generally 24-page issues. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes in a new hope so i understand like like four issues yeah. being a lot to cover with you know I mean, that is one of the things with cover a lot of screen time with og star wars is that it's 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 got a lot it's got a lot of just scenes individual yeah. different scenes oh uh color palette really stands out to me once we get onto tatooine because I was it makes me say, realize yes. that it's kind of easy to use only a few colors in the tantive four because it's like just white walled, but it's not actually yeah. white walled because they they use the white for stormtroopers and Leia, and the walls are actually blue, which sets up some theming. We use a lot of pastels, blue, like tan. Uh, C three PO might be the yellowest thing consistently, uh, but the, a lot of the backgrounds are kind of these muted red, blue, yellows uh that don't yeah pop a bunch that way the colors of the characters do a little bit more right so even though it's more uh i guess the colors are more quote-unquote realistic rather than just being like a lot of primary colors that are like really bright instead but we still kind of like have a little bit of a stylization in the backgrounds as uh, as well with the colors that are chosen um do backs 
We got Dubaks. I'm pretty sure Dubaks are in the original, but the special effects in the yeah. special edition with the CGI make them look a lot more convincing. We get the little, what do you call it, Sentinel-class shuttle in the back? Oh, um, yeah. That was yeah, invented as a CGI that. ship for oh, the yeah, okay. special edition. Uh, so even even less obvious than the movie. Look, sir, droids. <laughs> we're mixing two different shots here the one with the the dewbacks uh as an establishing yeah. shot for uh mos Eisley and the scene where they open up the or they investigate the escape pod so we're doing a lot of the stormtroopers on foot thing all together in one shot and we're not doing a lot to establish characters as they come in luke's is just sort of there uh yeah. luke get the translator who speaks bocce yeah. Um, I guess we're doing okay, Luke. We got Luke now. Okay, and then by the end of the next page, we have uh, Leia's message. Yeah. Okay, you know that's actually kind of funny. I think if you didn't know who Luke was, you would be unsure from what from just reading this comic, because yeah. she says Luke on this one where you can't see anyone's faces really because they're yeah. So she just small. says tell Uncle if he gets a translator. So you're like, okay, well she's talking to Luke and Uncle, uh, and then you look to the next one. And you're like, I guess the Uncle's probably the older guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, that's just what you have to do. That's just context clues if you have no idea. I do like these, is, these like sub panels that we'll see some more throughout this as establishing shots because establishing I shots did, do the, a lot in the special edition, especially. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah, that little yeah, sub sub panel and then in the oh yeah, the, what do you notice in that little establishing panel? Wombrat? Oh my god! Is that no, a it's a lizard. Oh, okay. I have no idea what it is. So. You might have noticed all these little little critters um, in these big establishing shots, mm -hmm. and that is an Al Williamson trademark, actually. Oh, really? Oh. I'm not sure if it's, like, overall through all of his work, but certainly throughout all of his Star Wars um, works, you constantly are seeing these little lizards pop up, oh, <laughs> these little critters. Oh. I love it. It's, it's right <laughs> on, because this movie is all about little critters as you come into a building or come into a, a new city or anything. Oh yeah, it was crit yeah, exactly. They're everywhere. Yeah, I wonder because Barreto did the pencils, but I, I wonder if Al Williamson just like slipped these little lizards in as he did the inks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh I do love the foreground stormtrooper in, in that in the Dubac panel. Oh yeah, with his macro binoculars. He looks great. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just Yeah, it's a really good looking stormtrooper. It's great. Like he's got all this gear on his pack. Yeah. I gotta say, on my rating for getting, um, what's the, what's the name? There's like a, like a name for that scene where Luke is gazing at the, the binary suns. Just binary suns, I guess, is probably what I, yeah. people usually, usually call it. it's called binary suns, yeah. Um, so binary it, sunset. By, yes, that's it. It's such a good phrase, binary sunset. Uh, yeah. so we get him gazing out at sunset, and then in the morning, the two, there's two moons so we're getting closer to it oh, but i yeah. think it's really lame that they didn't give us that shot like i, f I feel like yeah know, that's I, the I, shot i would want to do that if i was making this comic just yeah, and, give know, me a little bit it's of 1997 page. you know that shit's iconic by now right yeah right like yeah exactly well here's one of the other since you mentioned it one of the other al williamson things is he just he's constantly popping little planetoids in the background, little extra <laughs> yeah. stars, extra planetoids well, all over the place. Great. Yeah, because these ones are actually, I don't think there's big old moons floating around as he's heading out in the morning. I don't remember that, no. No, no, I don't think so. But I like them. They feel at home. Uh, Sam people look great. They do, they do. Cool. 
a lot of packs, but that's very Star Wars. Oh yeah. I notice every once in a while they sort of slip in like uh, a sort of like dot shading effect on things. You can see it behind Obi-Wan as he's introduced, but it shows up a few other times throughout the miniseries. And I'm wondering... Like on the crags and the, the moon behind him? Oh, oh, it's no, actually no, on the, the next moon. one. It's like very... The next one. Oh, like the comic yeah. book stippling shading style. Cause yeah. I, I just, yeah, the sort of like... That's funny. Analog printing sort of... Um, what we call... It's called a halftone with the little yeah. dots. Huh. Yeah, I, I love those. Uh, I, I could talk a lot about how I like artistic styling that's built on failings of older technology. And we use it as style yeah. now. And that's one of those where it looks like older comic shading but they don't they weren't yeah using it, that same kind of print it's used style. really sparingly here and i wonder exactly you know i couldn't quite tell grasp the stylistic choice again we get to see c3po falling off the ledge <laughs> i'm not sure it's even shown in the movie just kind of like was, where to go say, yeah uh, when we looked at it last time uh i was like i don't remember this in the movie at all mm-hmm I feel like I like as a kid I was always confused why C three PO is hurt so bad and I guess I just like assumed like I guess it must have happened off screen. It must have gotten cut in the editing just to make things flow. I think so. I guess fine, really. Maybe they wanted to be more serious and C three PO falling off the edge was a bit more was ended up being too comedic for what they were looking (laughs) for in that scene. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I doubt that's what knocked out his arm anyway, so so not super important in that way. Yeah, we don't get like a page explaining how a shout rings out through the the desert, and uh, yeah, it just nah, it just happens. Yeah, and then he shows up. I kind of implied that the same people are running away. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely legs moving. Hard to tell. Darth Vader torturing Leia. Sure, but if you go down to the sub panel at the very bottom, Cruise. more little dudes. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is also where we're at. Uh, Obi Wan saying these blast points are too accurate is implied to be something that someone has said because it's in a different color narration box oh yeah normal narration boxes it's just like you you know that obi-wan said that let's move on (laughs) yeah but like how would you even know that was connected to the uh, sand crawler the jawas you what yeah that is wacky there's no way to know but you got to fit in important new features like this Ronto um, being spooked by a swoop biker. I most was going to say, yeah, that was one of the yes. big things that I was looking at. I was like, yep, that's uh, that's especially. Oh, and Ken, did you, did you notice? It's the Outrider. It's Dash Rendar's Outrider in the background <laughs> flying <laughs> out of Mos Eisley. <laughs> as it appears in the special edition. That's a good ship. Yep. The Imperials really need to be more suspicious of asymmetrical round light freighters. Those things... Those things are way, way too good for heroism. Well, you would assume that there's more than two in the universe. We just haven't seen them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I know. I know there's more. We keep using every time we have a new band of heroes, they get a new one. Yeah, for sure. I think there was a YouTube channel. I can't remember who it was, but they were analyzing the, the Star Wars concept of hero freighters, which is like somehow there's a large number of these small vessels that are too small to really plausibly be freighters. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe they're couriers. Yeah. And they can be armed with enough weaponry to fight off starfighters handily. Yeah. <laughs> Why is the Empire allowing this? Like, it's such a weird <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> I feel it made perfect sense the one time with Han Solo's being like a super custom job and, I mean, well, when they're really fighting off military vessels it's like one it's a trap where they let them off easy with just four ties 
and then second of all, but like the second one is weird. Come up to the Death Star and shoot. Should somebody's should, should somebody's delivery van be capable of fighting off four police cruisers? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. That, that seems that like seems a, pretty sus to me. That, that's like a consistent issue in a lot of spacefaring adventures. So, I don't know. They've only been fully in control for like what twenty, uh, 20 years, years now. <laughs> <laughs> He could just be living. He lives in the outer rim. You no, know, right? I, I, I know mean, a few twenty-year-old governments that would not allow me to have a fifty caliber. The idea of the head. outer rim is just sort of a, a, a little bit ragged and and you know a bit violent and full of. Yeah, like we know that the Empire doesn't have full control over every single outer rim planet. You know that yeah, they're probably more interested in taxes than they are in. in um... Yeah, and it might do them good to have people available who have that kind of thing because they might want. Well, hey. We can pay you. I mean, right? We see that with like you'd you know, be hiring bounty hunters. Yeah, you know, I think the real answer is that this is all pastiche of westerns. Yeah, uh, which is a That's world where true. everyone's packing heat because everyone yeah, else for is sure. packing heat, and you'd be a yeah. fool not yeah. to out here. I mean, the real, real reason is plot convenience, but well, it's a pastiche of everything. It's a pastiche oh, of yeah. like classic space opera and the Western and Kurosawa. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and, uh, you know, world war two films. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a it's great, great for sure. The lightsaber takes a lot of blood with Pond Baba's arm. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, and then I was going to say another thing that I noticed, obviously special edition, or uh, thing, but uh, Han shoots, Han shoots last. Yeah. yeah, I was I was sad to see it. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> very upsetting. But he's he's uh, he's mean mugging Greedo while he does it too. He's doing it with yeah, conviction at least. Face when he shoots the shit out of Greedo. He uh, still get the sorry about the mess. And this one is like a sub panel. We get as many many funny creatures into the uh, shot as we can. Want to again appreciate? Yeah, we get Wolfman. Wolf boy. I think it was just called Wolfman in a lot of like sort of like fan circles and like yeah. Hey, well, I just I was thinking about the in the Jedi dance party when they get to episode four. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, rap boy is here. creepy old, but best friendo. Yeah, best like, friendo. Yeah. At this friend besto. Yeah. yeah, friend besto. Yeah, he says, "Oh, great." Wolf boy is here. You're <laughs> <laughs> right, it is Wolf boy. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, my favorite character from this whole comic by far. Uh, we we jump back to the Death Star. Her resistance to the mind probe is considerable. I think it is time we demonstrated the full power of the station. Set to your course for Alderaan, and there's like a with pleasure. Yeah, there's there's one of those Death Star troopers, <laughs> oh, the yeah. ones with the like back. Yeah, one of those Marines or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ones that operate the laser, and he's just he is so ready to destroy a planet. He's the evilest guy in this whole comic, and he's only there for this little circle panel. Do you know where those really wide helmets come from? No. no. Um, during the Second World War in the U.S. Navy, you would have this big helmet that left a lot of space around the ears and it was for making calls oh so you could make calls you know you could i don't know what you call it on a ship you call it intercom you call it whatever you could do commu- you could communicate by putting something up to your ear and talking yeah so there's specialized helmets for the navy huh. that's where that design mm-hmm. comes from that's good to know because obviously it also it carries over to vader yeah or is that more of a samurai, samurai thing Ooh. no i don't Hmm. Here, I got you covered. I'll send you Samurai, Helmet, Vader, and it's going to give me exactly what I want. 
Well, yeah, you can find an immense <laughs> amount of Vader as a samurai. Yes. Yeah, I, I believe that was the cover of one of the Star Wars Tales issue issues back yes. in the day. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, Boba looks good. Boba looking good, Boba. Looking good, Boba. Looking good. Shows up in the background of one panel. Yep. <laughs> as we talked about, Han steps on Jabba, and Jabba's, I guess, okay with it. Jabba in this version of Jabba. Human being. Love that. A wonderful human being. Yeah, so that's crazy because Han, Harrison Ford delivered that line yep. to a guy in a big coat. Yeah. I want to be a guy in a big coat in Star Wars. Well, you wouldn't be. You'd just be a, a waifu pillow. Uh, Jabba. <laughs> oh, no. Jabba uh, yeah. himself. A wonderful human being. <laughs> I do love that we get that line. That's such a good line. I mean, the, the, the funny thing is, like, as originally written in the scene, it was a human. Or maybe something, I don't know, maybe it was just a guy standing in for some other creature. But him saying, Jabba, you're a wonderful human being, to Jabba, it's just so funny. (laughs) It's such a Han line. Yeah. The special edition really makes him much more, uh, I don't know, full of himself. It really does a lot to build up Han Solo's pride. So it kind of rotates his characterization a little bit. It doesn't change who he is that much, but if you feel a little different about him, I think. Yeah. Uh, we, we get the Imperial Spy or the Sellout with the Snout now. Yes, he's yeah. got a Snout now. He is Gurindan, he is Kubaz. Rather than... Th- I think it was just a guy with just a big nose before. No, he was this weird... He was purple and he was wearing like white and yellow. He was weird. He was a weird dude. He looks like, a, dude. Uh, like a devil from Sandman. Okay. This is getting very specific. Something that weirded me out at the end of this issue is that the Star Destroyers still don't look like real Star Destroyers. I, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Proportions are kind of funny. Big bridge. They're still dogfighting Starfighters. Kind of odd. And the TIE Fighters, for some reason, I don't know why this happens. There must be a technical reason for it because it shows up It shows up in all Star Wars comics consistently. Yeah. The TIE Fighter wings are almost always really tiny. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know why that always keeps it's, showing up. It's always off, yeah. There must be a technical reason for it, right? Because yeah, like gonna, yeah. tons of different artists over a massive, massive oh. period of time. It is, it is really funny to look at them in that, in yeah. that, in that panel. I guess, uh, you know what? Looking at that, if they made it full-size wings with the, at the angle, it'd just take up so much of the panel. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. Is that they want to give you the, the cockpit because it's an iconic look, but then you have to make the wings fucking massive. I just make a little itty-bitty low-detail cockpit, but that... Uh, I don't know. The Death Star, near the planet Alderaan. They look like friends. Uh-oh. They have bad news. And look at all the little tiny stars and planetoids all over the place. That is yeah. Nice. Actually, I do like this. This is a good page. And you kind of got this, like, stippling effect to get, like, this Milky Way sort of, like, you know, along the axis of the galaxy sort of mm-hmm. um, effect. There's a big viewport for Tarkin on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's, he's just like staring there. off into the abyss. Yeah. yeah, I would do that all the time if they gave me one of those. Yeah, one hundred percent. I wouldn't even do my job. I'd just be staring off into the abyss. Yeah. I don't think Tarkin has a real job anyway. Just, just talk scary. You get that rich is not a real room. job anyway. Yeah, it, it's it's like a passion project. Destroy <laughs> well, we Alderaan. It's gone. Bye-bye. I love the heck out of this sequence. Actually, I think it's just visually really stunning. It's really good. This explosion is a great explosion. With the uh, laser going through the little tunnel. Okay, mm-hmm. I gotta say, it bothers me a little bit that now we've moved to the Death Star having 
it the turbo laser on the top side of it instead of on the bottom like in earlier stuff. Yeah. But okay. Whoever inked this decided that the Death Star would be above Alderaan, so the yeah. laser yeah. kind of has to go downward. You think that the laser always has to be pointing directly at the target? They can't just rotate where the laser goes? The, the, the Death Star has to point directly to the target? You know, if I thought about it as like a functional real weapon system, my first answer is, yeah, I think the gun usually points where it's shooting. But it probably, it, it probably can rotate a little bit. But I can't imagine that it's like that much, right? It's just simple optics, Zach. What you do is you just shoot the lights into each other, and then they join into one giant light in the middle. And that light can oh. go anywhere you want. <laughs> you can just point them wherever you want. You know, actually, if, well, if if it's lasers, just light. if lasers work on like vectors, well, then I guess yeah, you just make you just make the top lasers stronger and the lower lasers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just simple math. <laughs> You know what? I'm sold. It's basic. Light physics. has weight. That's fine. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, where the laser's charging up, and we see the two like Death Star engineer dudes. You know, one of them is that guy who's with pleasure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's waiting yeah. for this he's, moment. He's so excited right now. This is I'm gonna make you moment. angry, but technically, those are different props. They're different helmets. Yeah, are they really? Yeah. I was gonna yeah, say, the other guys like yeah. I oh, think they oh. get described as like oh yeah, these ones Death Star troopers the or as like Imperial Army troopers or as, I feel like Marines or something. I don't know, it's kind of vague. Um, but he's not using the, he's not wearing the same outfit yeah, as the gunner. You're right. You're yeah. right. The guys Actually, who these guys' outfits have, are their faces wicked. are covered. I knew that. You didn't have to tell me that. I don't think. Yeah, obviously before, not. But now, but now <laughs> I remember that I know it. The Jin Urso steals in Rogue One. Oh. When they're when they're on um uh shit what's the you fucking can't think of the name of the planet you're a fake fan shit 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 <laughs> I just keep making new planets with funny names and I can't remember <laughs> I want to be a fake fan I don't want to be a fake fan <laughs> I don't remember either um, me neither oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. well it's like the the, the the planet whose deal is that it's murky and rocky no no it's Rogue One it's the the end of Rogue One no, oh Scarif. Scarif, yes. Yeah, come on, man. Beach World. Beach World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they when they land on Scarif and then they beat up some Imperials and then Jin takes a Cassian gets like a commander outfit or whatever, and then Jin gets yes. like the full black helmet. Oh yeah. 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 Yes. So I'm pretty sure it's the same kind of outfit. Trooper. Or a little short for a Death Star Trooper. A little short for a Death Star Trooper. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure the death star troopers have uh height requirements editor's note here Jin urso in fact wears a third type of helmeted uniform created for rogue one called the imperial ground crew so there you have it also the murky planet that xavier couldn't think of is called iadu uh c3po on the let the wookie win <laughs> he looks... scene he has seen some things <laughs> I feel like the concept of like Chewbacca actually doing um, maiming people, it just doesn't quite square with how he's portrayed, in my opinion. No, yeah. He, he goes, roar, and bonk. It's like a funny line, but. Yeah, I get <laughs> Yeah. 
Well, I no, I can picture him t ripping the arms out of C-3PO, though. That's perfectly fine. Ripping the arms right. out of like, humans doesn't compute. But C-3PO, because that would be funny. We take C-3PO apart for comedy, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't respect gay-coded characters. <laughs> oh, no. No. In the far future. <laughs> Jesus Christ. In the Christ. distant past. You know, it, it was different times. It was a oh long time. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that all droids are gay coded because we just think it's funny to make fun of them. Great. Oh no! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I, I like I like to give out other droids. Be like, uh, my my thoughts first go to like a tri fighter. The droid tri fighter. <laughs> the damn, the damn, you know, vulture droids are getting it on in the back. What the hell is going on? Oh my god! <laughs> oh no! Yeah, you know Man, for no, a fact. No that wonder a, they lost that war. That there are plenty of organics who think that droids are pretty hot. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure that there are people here and now that probably think that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine and normal. I think if we have the power to make anything that we want, like yeah? as humans, uh oh, we we can make hot robots and then they're hot because we made them, sure. right? Like that's, yeah. that seems really straightforward. Eh, it doesn't feel great to me though. That's fine. Hot robots well, doesn't feel great to me. Doesn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> Quote of the day. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Something just feels wrong about history. manufacturing <laughs> somebody. <fighting> <laughs> <history>. <laughs> <laughs> the the Rainbow Alliance will remember you. Remember uh, your actions. Yeah. I sense something. A presence I've not felt since. And then it cut. And then again, he's just gone. So yep. funny. I, he, just, he just walks away. He just walks away. Uh, it's still not explained. I like fan interpretations that he's just... You know, Darth Vader's Anakin. Everything that he's done is for reasons of drama. I say that's just such a hilarious lens to look at. Just everything that Darth Vader does. Why does he have a cape? Why does he have that big outfit instead of just like, you know, uh, like a normal pacemaker? Uh, he's, he's Anakin. He lives for the drama of it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like shit. If I'm going dark side, I'm going all the way. Fuck it. We ball. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Episode Three, it is shown that. <laughs> yeah, Palpatine, I guess, question mark, just kind of picks his outfit for him and he never changes his outfit again in his entire life. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's his last outfit. <laughs> <laughs> like in uh, like in Men in Black, this is the last suit you'll ever wear. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like people with their, like, designer dogs, like, put on, like, an outfit on him and he, he has no say in it. He's just, yeah. you know, his master put a funny fit on him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you take off this fit, you die. What are, what are you going to... Well, I mean, I don't know about that, but what are you going to do? Tell Palpatine you don't like the outfit he picked for you? <laughs> I mean... Oh, you put it on tomorrow. Vader is the full metal alchemist, a dog of the military. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, this is neither here nor there, but I think that having some red panels amidst the white and black ones yes. is pretty cool. It, yeah, it stands out. Um, on the control surface, oh, the yeah. control panels or yeah. whatever. And I, I, I don't know. I just love that, that in Star Wars, like every room is just full of control panels because that's what rooms are for. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. Props, props team. Again, cold take props team on Star Wars. Amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Both I think the R2-D2 sound effects are more accurate to R2 now that we knew what R2 would sound like. 
uh, compared to the original. It does comic. help. It does help, doesn't it? Meep beep squeal. He doesn't say a ton in this one, but but when he does, I I I, I could hear that. Like I I listen, I I can hear R 2s voice in that. You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I like that it shows how ridiculously massive the pit is that yeah. Obi Wan is yeah. uh, hanging over with no railings for no discernible reason. I think it's much less sick of of a Kenobi sneaking around vibe. They did it much better in the 77 one. Oh, yeah, the atmosphere oh, yeah. was excellent in that one. I like on the next page where he's kind of tiptoeing behind them, <laughs> Yeah, They really capture uh, <laughs> the, the, the yeah. sneakiness. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that Chewbacca, you know, they're raiding the armory to get some guns, and Chewbacca just has this huge-ass rifle. <laughs> where'd he get that? Get big arms. Where is it like go? an Imperial, like, Barrett 50 cal? Like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. It's a huge <laughs> gun. Um, once again, Chewbacca's eyes are a little lost in the hair. Through yeah, a lot of these, yeah, yeah. Uh, iterations of him. He's also got a lot. He he is just fur. He doesn't really have any skin. Where I mean, like in in the movie, he does have uh, some skin showing. So right, but it, like on his like hands and like on his yeah, face. He, he looks like bit. Gabe's dog. Actually, he looks it's just, just like, hair. Just like nothing, the dog. nothing under there. Just a lot of hair. <laughs> 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 Gabe has a little yippy hairy dog. What a good dog! I mean, it looks just like Chewbacca here. You need more information. Like yeah, you know exactly what his dog looks like. <laughs> Does that dox us? <laughs> Going on Google dog. Street View looking for dogs. <laughs> We spend a lot of time on, on the, the, the trench stuff. jumping scene. Yeah. Yeah, a yeah. long time considering. Yeah. What doesn't get developed. Yeah, full two page spread. And most of it is just gunfire being exchanged. It's not even like focused on Luke and Leia. Right. right. Did they alter that scene for the special edition? That could explain it. It could be. But oh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not nothing I'm just sticking out to me, but I don't know. Um, no, no, I'm clearly not a real fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we move into uh, Obi Wan fighting Vader. The duel. I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I okay. I love the line. Only a master of evil, Darth. Like, <laughs> yes. Like I've never. I haven't seen this guy in twenty years. Um, yeah. I'm gonna just call him Darth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just like something that's sort of incongruous with later lore, basically. Which Uncle Kevin has to bring up every single time. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he says... Uh, fun fact. Darth is his original name. That's not it's clear. There's no reason for it not to be. Definitely name. seems like it, yeah. Or, or as a title, I don't know. Like, if it is a title, like... I like only a master of evil, mister. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Which makes it sound like he's talking to like a five-year-old. You're only a master of evil, mister. (laughs) (laughs) I like everyone getting to see the duel here, like including these stormtroopers, the one he's just pointing over there like, huh, would you look at that? Well, that's kind of how it goes in the movie, I gotta be honest. He goes, hey, what the hell's going on over there? And they all kind of run over. Uh, my 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 face when management is doing something. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, the general manager is fighting some <laughs> some. <team>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go check it out. 
You will not believe this Karen who just showed up. Oh my god. She claims to be a Jedi Knight. As to see the manager. Okay, okay. I like uh, they, they cross sabers as our heroes escape to the Falcon as stormtroopers are attracted by the commotion. Yeah. But like the little conga line of silly characters, C3PO, Chewie, the princess. <laughs> Somebody's gotta notice. <laughs> like it looks it looks like, like a Scooby Doo bit. <laughs> 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 like oh everyone's distracted <laughs> it's true <laughs> i was gonna say i mean stormtroopers i think they're actually moths underneath all that armor because they see the bright light and they're just going yeah. straight for it yeah yeah exactly and now they're so far away i like that there's just a bottomless pit in between the falcon and there's the always a bottomless pit there's a rule here yeah i guess it's a bottomless elevator that seems reasonable. Yeah, usually the way they Great work lift. is it's like the elevators will bring up the people. It's like a service elevator that has a top floor where it just opens up out of the hangar. I, I guess yeah. maybe we're assuming the stuff... Oh, I know exactly what it is. Okay, I figured it out. On aircraft carriers, you have an upper deck, and then you have um, decks underneath that where you keep the plane, a big hangar inside. Yeah. How do you get the plane up to the top deck? You drive it out to this square elevator... And then it goes whoop, yeah. up one level. Gotcha. Yeah. And, this and then you can drive your plane onto the deck. You go back down yeah, and get so more planes out. Some tie finders under this floor. Yeah. I don't know if that's oh, the assumption. I'm just saying that's where the design for that elevator came well, from. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that also, yeah, that also feels very similar. I'm pretty sure there's some things like in Force Unleashed, like the yeah. mission to Force Unleashed. But also, I've only played Wii Force Unleashed, which is apparently considerably different. So who knows. <laughs> the, the fake Wii version of the Force yeah. Unleashed, which everyone who's played swears is the better version. It's a lot of fun. I really like it. It's <laughs> cool thing. I played through that if game too many else, times as a kid. I think there's legitimate story differences, but you get to wave around the lightsaber. Yeah, and that's allegedly there's a scene in the Force Unleashed where he pulls down a, a Star Destroyer, but I've never seen that scene. You haven't seen the most the Force know. Unleashed it's scene. Not, it's not in the Wii game. <laughs> <laughs> that's the famous scene. Issue three starts with a great splash of the Millennium Falcon in space. And once again, oh, it is a good. sky full of stars and yeah. planets and a space station. Yeah, lots of detailed, lots of detailed pencil work on the Greeblings and really nice, um, nice inks. Yeah, it gives you the, the impression that you're seeing the sort of like harsh light and shadow in space. What do you think about the some of these planets being partially eclipsed? Kind of a lot of them. I know it's like, what, what is the light source here, Mister Williamson? <laughs> yeah, I was I wasn't gonna think about it. Like now I'm thinking about the shading on the planets that are closer than all the shadows on them. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be th I would just have accepted those at face value. Like okay, well wherever we are, there's just that shading from wherever I'm looking. But the fact that we've got things being eclipsed now now I gotta wonder. Yeah, there's all sorts of light. There's tons of globes all over the place just spewing a light randomly. Some things are lit by certain globes and not others. Funny how the world is, isn't it? <laughs> this is real physics. Don't worry about it. That seems to account for most of everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, something weird about the Millennium Falcon's design. They go to the guns. Like, Han goes up. Yeah. Luke yeah. goes down. Yep. And somehow they're both facing... Somehow Luke goes down but ends up being up in the direction of the bottom of the ship. But he's facing down as up? Or is he just facing straight down, like on his belly? But he's in a seat. 
I think it could just be that that the, the gunner seats. I mean, you know, the head cannon, whatever. You know, I don't think there's any kind of explanation for it. But or was it like a, a, an artificial gravity like micro field thing? Yeah, that's what that's what my guess would be. Uh, so I would just throw it to that. Like they they auto correct your your spatial or whatever so that it's it's easier to shoot and that's it's that. always been my understanding that it's like a artificial gravity thing but it is really just kind of like a hand wave thing in the in the movie hard to say yeah yeah uh chewbacca panel here rock do you like that panel <laughs> it's just kind of funny <laughs> now i'm very curious about that, that oh no generally position thing well you've got oh boy we're going down the, the rabbit hole here uh look they got the tie fighter pilot first try did they? Yeah. It looks like a real TIE fighter pilot now, yeah. TIE fighter pilot to me. Oh. Oh, I see, I see. I was like, no way. I'm pretty sure it's important that Luke misses him like the first oh, two right. times. Oh, right. No, he's yeah, talking about the costume design. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty sure that TIE fighter pilots had a conical helmet. Conical? Yeah. You don't remember this? Anyway, tell me about what you were looking at, Zach. There's just a lot more space wherever Luke is sitting than it exists anywhere on the Falcon. I just think it wasn't accounted for in the original. Yeah, it just kind of seems odd. Yeah, odd. these big, big Does, plate windows. Yeah, yeah. Obi-Wan and Luke have a, a whole room to themselves, and it like, and the, the gun is right in front of them, too. But that, that space just does not exist on the Falcon on either the top or bottom. I think it's one of those things where you try not to think about how the Millennium Falcon legitimately takes up space. That's true. It is like a right. It's one of the things you just don't Euclidean. It's one of the rules of Star Wars. Yeah, it's bigger sure. on the inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm okay with this, just accepting that at the very least for the Falcon. <laughs> We're gonna have to. Otherwise, I'm gonna be upset for a while. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 one of these panels like shows. I believe it's Han, like at the top. He's just sort of like sitting sideways in the chair, but also still facing the. Yeah, yeah it's it's wacky. Okay, we got to move on. We got to move on. This feels more like the playset where there's just a window and a gun and a minifigure. Yeah, uh, or like a not minifigure, but an action figure. Action figure. Yeah, they're betraying what kind of childhood we had. What what would you <laughs> what would you use an action figure for? I don't get it. It's already built. <laughs> yeah. I actually had a Darth Vader action figure that somebody gave to me once. Oh, I think that got passed on to me. Which is how I know that Darth Vader's helmet has red lenses. <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. Here, here we don't have any special colors to his lens. He's he's pretty accurate. I mean, I guess the shading is blue on Darth Vader all throughout this comic, but that's our kind of our default shading color through this entire comic. Yeah. So everything, the the white is shaded with blue, the black is shaded with blue, the backgrounds are a lot of time blue. Well, uh, there's not anything that really particularly catches my eye here for a while. Yeah, there's like extra, there's like uh, multiple image establishing shots of a guy just kind of sitting around in a crow's nest looking at ships on Yavin. Do you guys ever think about what he's holding? I'm sure it's fleshed out uh, somewhere. Uh, oh, God damn it. It's what a radar it detector. Then? He's he's pulling people over for speeding. It's a speed yeah, trap. Yeah, that's, that's what it always feels like. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, it's a really good point as far as establishing shots. We establish the moon of Yavin. We establish <laughs> the Millennium Falcon approaching the land. Then we establish yeah. the guy looking at it. Now we've landed. We hop back to the Death Star for a second for one panel. But now, in order to establish that we're back on oh. the Yavin, we come back to this guy sitting in the outpost, but for a pretty big spread. Like, yeah. Oh, it seems like it would. Left side of the panel. Or the Maybe base. it's just fun to draw. <laughs> oh, let's try, yeah, yeah. let's try draw that landscape again. It'll be fun. 
<laughs> yeah. This is fun. I like those shots with the 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 look. It's a very pretty planet. We, we like it. We could go there. Um, I, I believe it's Guatemala. It oh is yeah, Guatemala. yeah. Actually, a lot of this is filmed. A fascinating planet Guatemala is. <laughs> Which is why I believe Poe Dameron is canonically from Yavin Four. Yes, because Oscar Isaac is Guatemala. Yeah, exactly. It's fun. They say snub fighters again, which apparently always has been a line that I just never noticed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like he might be saying stunt fighter, which seems plausible. That'd be really funny. Yeah. We don't even talk about bigs. No bigs, no bigs, no red leader. No oh, red no. leader fought in the Clone Wars with his father or whatever. I, I do think that was great. I do really like that. Subplot's gone. It's gone. Bye. It's so sad. It's so sad. At this point, we now know what a T-16 and a Womp Rat are, and even Bullseye. Like, we really know a lot more about the world by the time I don't think this. I've ever seen a concentric circle. <laughs> <It was> written. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking all these shots of uh, the X-Wing, though. Frankly, the X-Wing shots are all, and the Y-Wings, they're just really gorgeous. Um, yeah. Tons of pencil detail. Um, oh, proportions are perfect. Y-Wings are the goddamn... I love this Y-Wing that's clearly been drawn with one-point perspective in the hangar yeah. bay. Yeah, it's like half a page. It's like the X-Wings and Y-Wings in the hangar bay. I just think it's cool. I, I think it's neat. Oh, actually, this is a weird panel because it's got a different perspective than the X-Wings in the back, and the X-Wings in the back are on yeah. a curved perspective. They are, are on they? a round surface. Whoa. Actually, like the whole back, like the floor is all on a round surface. Yeah. The floor yeah. panel is also well, diminished to a distance like on the top right. It's like sort like of a warped two-point perspective, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Wacky. It's kind of got a fisheye lens perspective. Uh, sort of um, yes. yeah. vibe, but yes. loosely, yeah. like not super obvious. No, this this X wing lifting off panel is great. Love this panel. Oh, with oh, the yeah. um, with the ground crew member in the foreground, um, yeah. dead center. That's a cool panel. Yeah, yeah. They get the busyness of the hangar right on. It's really cool. We get a really big shift artistically as soon as Luke has lifted off of the the moon. Because now everything is black and gray and red. We're in space and we're at war. Yeah, you're right. The gutters between panels, which have been mostly white, now they're black. Because we're in space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's some white gutters in, like, inset panels. Yeah, which is that's, that's good to stand out against the black of everything. These sort of formation shots of the rebel fighters heading towards the Death Star are going to be inspired by the totally new CGI sequence that was added for the special mm. edition. Oh, that's right. Mm. Which is a totally different version of the scene from what was originally in the movie. Yes, yeah, I bet the, the back end of this comic was just real fun to do. We're going to spend hours on every single X-Wing because it's fun and they look great and we can just be proud of that. And the battle is joined and hit send on that one knowing you knocked out of the park. Yeah, it's just gorgeous. We're just looking at the panels, admiring them. That's pretty much all that's happening until the end of until the end of this episode. Next ones are pretty weird. There's this really sick uh, two page spread right at the beginning of issue number four, where it's just showing X wings, <laughs> just kind of showing them off. Yeah. There's one that's in plan Ooh, view, wow. yeah. you know, just uh, perpendicular to the yeah. camera, as it were, Top over the here. surface of the Death Star. Yeah, all at a way different angle flying around a little more chaotic than the how they flew in you know at this point we have an entire issue that's just dedicated to the battle and in the death star actually a little more than was allocated in the original marvel adaptation because we already spent the time 
watching the X-Wings fly there <laughs> in the previous issue. Yeah. So clearly they allocated a lot of attention to this sequence. I love this panel of the, the Imperial Gunners, too. It's a great panel. Oh, with that sort of Flak 88-inspired gun. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah, detailed. Just turbo lasers trying to snipe an X-Wing. It is a turbo laser. You're right. Yeah, it's got to be. They don't have any real point defense. That's what all the hoses are for. It's for the turbocharged gases? Yeah. Question mark? The laser. It's, a, it's to turbo the lasers. You got a yeah, turbo. Actually, you, you see right in the center of it, there's that there's that big spool shape. That's the actual, that's the turbocharger. That's the turbocharger. Yeah, you need a turbocharger. Turbo the big old snail. Do they have su- well, the Death Star has super lasers, so one can only assume that they're like supercharged they get, within. They get, yeah, they get supercharged, not turbocharged. Like, like, supercharging impellers. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the obvious implication, is it not? <laughs> I, you know, you're so right. You're so right. <laughs> Um, I like all these panels of things getting blown up here. I love it. Ba-boom! And yeah. a lot more fiery, even than, like, I mean, the than the yeah. explosions of the actual ships, and it, it inside, makes them feel a lot of fire. Much more brutal. It feels very, it um, it makes it really feel like people are dying here. Oh, no! Yeah. As opposed uh, to Stormtroopers <laughs> kind of getting blasted across a hallway, like, that guy is toast. That guy is fucked. Oh, very fucked. I assume everybody there is fucked. Probably got fucking sucked out into space. That too. Does get a lot worse when. Or just sort of like perforated by for shrapnel. Shrapnel, yeah. Oh my god, wait, wait, wait. Is that Porkin's skull on fire in that panel? Are we looking at the destruction of Porkin's X Wing? Yeah. There's a large circular object in the foreground. So so we have this this shot of Porkin's face talking. It's just pull out. And we come back out. Uh, yeah, yeah, we come back out to his oh, X-Wing. That. And then there's like a, an L-shaped panel where the X-Wing gets destroyed. And then there's... I mean, the only thing that we've established that's a big globe shape in the center of a panel would be if we kind of imply that that's a third panel in a three-panel series on that bar. And this we've come back to him oh. to see him get just torched. That's, that's, that's plausible. I mean, you can see a sort of like beam in the background that could be the yeah. edge of the cockpit. Cockpit, yeah. yeah no, so, I never interpreted that as another panel, but I can't think of what it yeah. would be in the yeah, I think next it's, panel. I think it's, That's I think cool. it's a third you... panel that meshes into the fourth panel. You're yeah. right, because there's like the colorist added like an extra orange band to slightly differentiate yeah. between panels. I think, yeah, I think it's, yeah. No, I think that's, maybe that's, that's, that's fucking crazy. That's gnarly. Yeah, I think that's what that is, yeah. Yeah, conceptually, it's super cool. It, it's hard to... It's a, it, it, execution wise, it's a little weird because you cannot really tell that it's his face. But yeah, I never realized that. But that must be what's going on. And then whenever we see one of these fighters destroyed, like we do here, uh, we get to see like all the different components of the physical model um, sort of being um, uh, disintegrating from each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, like like it looks in the film. It's a very cool effect. That's a good job. Of, of course, definitely. comics you only get to show one single instance of that happening. Yeah. Yeah. So getting the point across is very cool. Our one TIE fighter that we show with perspective coming up uh, does does have a more accurate wing to cockpit ratio. Yeah, a TIE fighters it's still, still awful. It's kind of wonky in comics. I, I don't know. Um, Vader and his dudes look sick. Yeah, for sure. I like that the uh, TIE fighter pilots have like, like Jodhpur style pants with the big like flared uh, thighs. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you think that would be more of just like, uh, like an army officer thing? Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Well, I mean, it could be that these guys are high, just very high placing pilots. Because I don't think all the pilot, all all Tie Fighter pilots have that. I don't okay. think that that's part of the costume. No. In the movie. So yeah. it could just be that these guys. He he's like you two because I know you two are good. You two get special pants. <laughs> you, two, you two are my yeah. my my homies. High ranking officers in the Imperial Navy. So Luke takes a hit. We've lost a bunch of x-wings vader has mobilized back in the war room there is one unnamed guy kind of charting on a star map and he he looks stricken the hope is fading in the war room <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, it, it kind of looks like he's just like tracing along an orbit <laughs> I, I like to imagine he's like taking tallies for like uh it, it feel, it's got the energy of someone like putting tallies for like a big like horse race or something and it's like uh-huh the, the bets are bad the bets are bad we're gonna have to pay out a lot this monster, the monster is just squealing as he goes <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he might be holding like a dry erase marker. I'm not sure if he is though. Luke, he's just tracing Luke tell. until he gets there. I have no idea what those devices are supposed to be. They look like ridiculously ornate neon signs to me. They're great. I yeah, love them. great prop. I could not fathom what it does, and I think that's the best thing of a background prop. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's like it's so like the cow cool. Tools theorem. Cow tools. <laughs> Rebel yeah, tools. Like cow tools. <laughs> <laughs> Just put some tools that you don't explain what they do and people will be fascinated by them and trying to explain what it is. It's like, no, it doesn't. It literally doesn't do anything because I didn't make it do anything, but it, it gets your attention. Y-Wing, love myself some Y-Wing. Yeah, you got to love a Y-Wing. Oh, whoa, whoa. Fascinating swap here. Once we get into the final attack run, format-wise, the panels, they're all the same. Nine panels per page for... I mean, the rest of the battle, we are locked in frame by frame. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's, it definitely regiments the time flow. I think they did a good job of really explaining what happens throughout the entire sequence, like keeping the stakes clear and who's yeah. where and doing what. Yeah. Because... You know, it's kind of like playing Dungeons and Dragons without a map, which I hear that some people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just like playing like any of the fantasy flight role playing games. There's well, tons of role playing guess... game, paper and pen role playing games that don't use physical maps, but you do kind of have to imagine where everyone is and what they're doing at, at each time. And it can get a little vague, and that's kind of how the Death Star Trench Run feels to me because the terrain is. Well, we're either yeah. above this trench or we're in this trench, yeah. but I'm not sure where, yeah. the, where exactly we are. I was going to say, because I mean, Edge of the Empire is non-physical map, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So before we swap perspective, the last thing to say is Death Star will be in range in five minutes. And so we get that establishment that this thing's about to shoot the, the moon out of existence. 90 so 10 pages 90 panels with nine on each page i don't think there's any significance in that that i know of but so so that so that represents uh up to five minutes of time that we get to spend in the trench run yeah it's exactly five two-page spreads oh that's true that's that's a great okay that that would be why in the original format you need an even number so that each each pair of pages has an opposite yeah so each page turn is one minute uh, leading up to it. I think that'd be a really cool thing to point out in some way, but if there was like a timer um at the top of like at the top corner <laughs> of each five, uh, four. That would be cool. <laughs> I mean, like really up the tension. 
Yeah, no notes here. All the mechanical designs, you know, all the mechanical designs are very faithful and detailed. I like um, Leia's face. You get sort of a side profile view of her face a couple times throughout this. And, mm -hmm. you know, each time she's getting a little more worried. Um, <clears throat> I think like on the last pair of pages um, near the top, she just has this totally like, well, we're dead. Look. <laughs> Yeah, I like kind of going back and forth between Luke and Vader and the ships and then back to each base. You see Tarkin watching and Tarkin is just waiting things out, like a little smug look on him every time we come back to him. Yeah. Leia's you get a lot of tension there and all of the rebels with her always shaded out because they're like not as important characters. So we don't need light on their face, but they just look, you know, there is no hopium left for them. Yeah, just. Just we're we're all dead in one minute now, Luke. You switched off your targeting computer. What's wrong? This guy, he is he is resigned to his fate at that point. Luke, we're gonna die if you don't get this right. Why are you being selfish right now, Luke? <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's right after great uh, two panels side by side, half of Luke's face, half of Vader's face. Yeah, yeah go Luke. The force is strong with this one. They do mention the force is strong with this one in this in this comic. I think it's really important to link the, to link Vader and Luke together at any point during the entire plot of this movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's crazy that it's just not that that, that line just doesn't happen in the nineteen seventy seven one. Yeah, uh -huh. he, just, he just doesn't say the force is strong with this one, which just seems crazy. They don't interact at all. Yeah, no, no, no connection between Maybe the characters. Yeah, and there we have it. We wrap up one page. Yahoo. Luke doesn't say technicos. Fix destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how do we fix destroyed? And I guess it's okay that uh, Chewbacca didn't get a medal because he growls his approval. So yeah, there you go. R two D two beeps in agreement. Uh, the end. <laughs> Where's his what medal? A funny way to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to put it on himself later. <laughs> but, uh, he, he's, he is the targeted computer. What are you talking about? <laughs> it wasn't doing anything. Can't you just give him like a restraining bolt that doesn't do any restraining, but is in fact the metal for him? Um, <laughs> magnet. Just stick a magnet I don't, I don't on think him. you could restrain him if you try it anyway. I mean, that droid needs a purple heart at the very least. Yeah, at the very least. Because he earned it, I mean, of he course. Gets, he gets shot in this movie, so. Yeah. Well, that's Star Wars. A Star Wars um, I hope you enjoyed it, fellows. Um, <laughs> We will not be seeing any more Star Wars because that was it. There was just one movie. Um, and if we're done Star Wars for this <laughs> one movie. pair of adaptations of that movie. Uh, so next week we'll be talking about uh, Battlestar Galactica, which of course you all know as the world's most famous and influential science fiction series. <laughs> yes. The greatest science fiction story of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think Marvel uh, also uh, licensed uh, Battlestar Galactica in the 70s. My favorite Battlestar Galactica character is definitely Worf. Worf. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. You've been listening to Arc Troopers Unite. Our main theme, Doom Troopers Unite, and our interstitial theme, Yesterday, were composed by Nathan and Owen Lamont for the computer game Ares. Our logo uses artwork by P.D. Black Dragon on DeviantArt. Art.